call is now being recorded. Yo, yo. All right, what's up? Ain't nothing much. Episode two in the building. Hopefully we've uh, worked out the uh, technical difficulties that we're able to work out. Right, right. Now we're rolling, so... um, By the time this is up, we should be all verified on iTunes, so... Everybody, go subscribe. Like how you hear other podcasts, go subscribe on um, iTunes. Follow us on SoundCloud. Um, we got the Facebook page, Twitter account, Tumblr. Um, you can get all that at channel10podcast.com. If you would like to sponsor us, hit us up, and uh, we can start making this money. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, um... Yeah, so uh, where do we begin? You uh, were in Canada. Wait, well, I guess first of all, first of all, happy birthday. Oh, thank you. That's right. It is my birthday today. <laughs> I keep, yeah, I keep forgetting about that. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, do, well, have you done anything, or do you plan to do anything? Um. You know, I just chilled with the wifey. Went to go see um. What's that movie? Get Hard with uh Kevin Hart and Will Fer- Will Ferrell. Okay, now how was that? It looks like some nigg- some niggery going on. <laughs> I thought it was good, actually. It was, um, you know, it was funny and it was kind of thought provoking. You know, I thought um, when I was watching it, I was kind of thinking of the movie Trading Places. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. Yeah, and like you know, just the um, differences in class um, and basically. Uh, I guess the stereotypes that, you know, that different races and different classes and just different groups of people have of each other. Um, and I know, like, a lot of that caused a lot of controversy because I think black people were upset and, you know, gay people were upset. But I think it's important for people to remember that, you know, at the end of the day, it's a comedy. And, you know, I think laughing at things, is a way for everybody to learn about each other, not to sound all corny and uh, <laughs> <laughs> all of that. But yeah, yeah, it was it was really funny. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Okay, that's that's good. Did the wife enjoy it as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She did too. It was um, you know, you know, it was a good one. I'm very selective about my movies, and um, especially when it comes to comedies. But I, mean, I thought this was you know pretty well done. It showed a um. I think what we both appreciated about it is that it showed a, a, a diverse spectrum of, uh, I guess, the black experience. You know, it wasn't, you know, like you had your middle class type of black people and then, you know, there was a little bit of the thug type black people and then you had, on the same token, you had your rich white people and then you had your, um, uh, I guess, you know, racist biker type of white people. It just it it kind of showed all aspects of everybody and made fun of everybody. And you know, I think cool. um, you know one thing to take away from it um, is that you know you can't always judge a book by its cover. So yeah. Cool. Um. So do you do you think this is better than the other Kevin Hart movie you saw um, last year? I think. Um. Oh yeah, 
that was uh the one with Ice Cube. I can't think of the name. Um, was it better? I don't know. They were so different. I can't say that one was better than the other. Um, I guess just seeing it, you know, more recently, and just because it's you know fresher in my memory, I do. I, I think I do like this one a bit more. Okay. I think I do. I think I do like that. What I'm curious to see is, um, you know, Kevin Hart step out of uh, comedic acting and take more serious roles. I think it's, you know, after this run of comedies, I think it's about time for him to start making that jump. And I think he has uh, said something to that effect um, that, you know, he's trying to do that one day. Um, so I think that'll be really interesting. Yeah, I can I can see that actually. Um, I was uh <clears throat> the other day I was thinking about Will Smith for whatever reason, <laughs> and um, you know, like um, I think we had we had a conversation about this maybe a year or two ago about um, right? Yeah, you were telling me about um, I think some podcast you were listening to and how he decides the movies that he's going to uh, star in. Oh yeah, that uh, weird, that crazy um, algorithm system or whatever it is, and um, you know, I'm just I was, I was sitting there thinking about you know, all these movies that he's been in and all this other type of stuff. You know, Independence Day, Men, the Men in Black uh, thing, um, Hancock being a fucking superhero, and all the money that he's made in Hollywood. And then you think about it, and then I guess. Uh, I guess the more serious roles he's played, if you think about uh, Ali and The Pursuit of Happiness, I know at least in Ali, he was nominated for an Oscar. I think he was for The Pursuit of Happiness, too. That was a great movie. And you, you know, the thing is, whenever it's on, I try to watch it, and some, I don't know, someone always interrupts me, or I end up going to sleep for some reason. Um, but so far, from what I've seen, it's a, it, is, it does seem like a pretty good movie. Yeah. Um, and so I'm one. I'm, I'm just sitting here like wondering when is when is he going to, I guess, really break out and do that one big movie that gets him that Oscar. You know, that's a that's a great question. And you know, what's um, he's really weird in a sense. You know, the way his career is, because you know, he started off as kind of a, I guess you would say, a comedic type of rapper. Then he goes and does uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which is one of my favorite sitcoms of all time. And then he starts doing movies, and, you know, he became the biggest and highest paid actor in Hollywood. But then I saw a list recently of movies that he's turned down, and I'm trying to find the list now. I only see two of them now. Um... Mm-hmm. But these are two of the hugest movies ever. Um, Matrix. The Matrix. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Django. He turned down Django? <laughs> he turned I down did, Django. I did not know that. Yep. Damn. And, well, you know, when I was thinking about him, too, well, see, well he, you know, he seems like... um. I, I guess, you know, he, he's like one of those balanced, I, I guess, you know, artist, uh, he, uh, one of those artistically balanced black individuals like a, like a Jamie Foxx and an Eddie Murphy. 
Yeah. And because you like you think about it, like even in like you know the hardcore hip hop head type of circles, people do recognize his you know his musical intuition and his I guess his lyricism to a certain extent. Yeah. And then he's seen as a pretty good actor and all this and that and stuff like that. Um, but I always wondered where his, I mean, where his career period, whether it was music or whatever, where it would have gone if he did The Matrix or would have just, like, killed him, like how kind of did Keanu Reeves. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, you know, that's a great point. Um, I do think, um, I don't know, I think it would have been bigger had it been Will Smith because the Matrix was groundbreaking on so many fronts. Um, of course, you know, technologically and, you know, cinematically with the uh, special effects and everything. And then, um, you know, with the whole storyline and all of that. But then um, in terms of diversity and having, you know, black people in prominent roles, um, of course, you know, black person wasn't the lead role, but had he stepped in and actually taken that lead role, you know, just for black people in the sci-fi genre, um, it would have definitely, um, I think it would have spurred earlier more black uh, sci-fi movies and, you know, content and everything like that. And I think it would have really submitted him as a legend. Um, and, of course, you know, he was an, uh, you know, iRobot. And uh, mm. I guess I Am Legend is kind of sci-fi, too. Um, but neither one of those movies had the cultural impact of The Matrix. I think it would have, like, really catapulted him to... I mean, it's crazy because you can't really say catapulted him to... I was going to say, like, a John Travolta. I don't know. Like, whoever the biggest movie star is, because, you know, I don't really know those people like that. <laughs> I mean, he's already the biggest movie star or at least was for a long time, but it would have made the bar so much higher for what the biggest movie star is. So, right. well, well, I, mean, I was reading something recently that says that, you know, his last couple movies didn't really do too well, or, you know, big blockbuster numbers, and is he ever really going to have another one? So, well, I mean, yeah, they, I think a lot of people say that. They, people say that all the time. Um, so I don't, I don't know what to say about that. Um, I do know that Will Smith is in the studio with Kanye West. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I think they've had some pictures recently, and uh, somebody's been. I think somebody said Will Smith is, you know, you know, working on some music, but he doesn't really like anything they've come up with, so he's still trying to find a sound. So. Okay, well, you, uh, you know that, uh, um, what's that, that song that, uh, the, the Switch song? Switch? From the, uh, Itch soundtrack? Oh, yeah, I do remember that. Um, do you know that, uh, that KD from Naughty by Nature produced that track? I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I was listening to, uh, uh Naughty by Nature, yeah, Trash and KD from on the one Epstein and, um, I, th I think they, I think they brought it up, but um, also I didn't know that JD was like really pivotal, 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 pivotal in Jaheim's career, and so he produced, I think, his first three albums. Jaheim? Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah, because apparently, um, you know, when they had like the big breakup or whatever, they I guess they all parted ways. He went on, he went on to like start a production company. He picked up Jaheim, and I think, I think someone else, and he focused on Jaheim. I think some other R&B people. So I'm assuming he doesn't really need Naughty by Nature <laughs> anymore. <laughs> I mean, apparently they're not getting along uh, too well anyway. So you know, I'm glad to see that he's still getting it. Where is Jaheim? Is he locked up? <laughs> no, no, he uh, he came out with an album, I think, two about a year or two ago. Oh, okay. Oh, he's still doing I'm thinking about life. Life is locked up. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, is he ever coming out? I don't know. I remember he did that last album before he went to jail, and, um... That's pretty depressing. I, <laughs> I think he has a lot of years. Um, how do you spell his name? L-Y-F-E, Life Jennings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe, I believe, oh, he's 41, according to uh, Google. But, yeah, I think he got a substantial amount of years. For what, I don't really know. Um, looking at his Wikipedia page now, 1992, he went to prison, served a little over 10 years. Yeah, it doesn't say anything. But I thought he did get get uh, locked up. Um, maybe, maybe not. He came out with an album in 2013, and he came out with one, or well, supposedly last year. That says ten years later. Well, okay. Well, well, I mean, well, I mean, Gucci Man comes out with albums still to this day. So, oh man, Gucci Man <laughs> just dropped. <laughs> uh, Gucci Man dropped like four albums last week. God damn, man. Um, they're all named after food. Um, hold on. <laughs> uh, not food, but like meals. Like he has like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. He dropped all those at once, and then like a couple days later, he dropped uh dessert. Hmm. Now I wonder if they're, if they're at the point that it's going to keep his name relevant, or are they like trying to get more money for his books or something? I don't know. I mean, I think all of his, uh, I think it was last year or this year, whatever the the, uh, latest Forbes list was, I think he did enough uh, numbers from jail to make the Forbes list. (laughs) Yeah, 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 he did. Um, That's just amazing. Um, Crazy, man. Man, oh, I think he had a bunch of songs with uh, McConan, so I don't know if somebody's putting these songs together or how they're coming out, so. Um, I remember that, uh, did you see that, um, it's like a, it's an interview, um, that I think was Complex. Um, I think it was, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it was Complex they had with his manager or his artist, his A&R person or whoever it was, and he was talking about, like, the process. I didn't see that interview. Okay, well, um, well, it was pretty much... I think I think like the title line was like why is why and how Gucci Man is is making millions while in jail or something like that, <laughs> and um it goes it, I mean, went like talked about like the, the manager and like the whole thing with it and um <clears throat> how Gucci Man has like a mixture of like the actual songs that he already made and then um just like um some vocals that he did a cappella and recorded. Um, and they just put him to like certain beats. And you know, he's he worked with like he's been working with Zaytoven um a lot 
before he worked with him before he you know when he knew he was going to jail and stuff like that. And he said something like they have enough music to keep putting like putting out music at the same uh, rate that they're doing now for like a good like I think he said five to eight ten to ten years or something like that. Wow, I do remember that quote from it. Now that you mention it, yeah, <laughs> I mean that's that's on some Tupac type work ethic. I mean I heard that Gucci Man didn't have a house that he just lived in the studio on the couch and just recorded all day. Which I guess if you're going to jail, you know, that's good to do. <laughs> yeah, that's true, man. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's working for him. I work for Tupac. I hear, I see that he's coming, some new unreleased music and some more poetry coming out. Yeah, I did see that. And um, I see that the yeah. rumor is spelled, um, there was the rumor that, uh, that Rock Nation and Jay-Z bought all of his albums and unreleased music. Um, that was actually false. But the people in charge of his music did say that they do have new Tupac music coming. So, I don't know. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I don't know either, man. I have, uh, I have what, like... I have several gigabytes of Tupac music. I have, like, all those 16, 17 Machiavellis and all that unreleased stuff. Yeah, but, yeah, I think I, uh, I got it from you a while ago. Yeah. I've skimmed through most of it, and uh, every once in a while I'll come across a track that I really like or I'll come across a track that I heard the vocals, um, you know, more... Uh, clearly um, mm. on a beat that was too updated for what he was saying and if they would have <laughs> kept the same vibe it probably would have been a bit better but um, speaking of Tupac um, that one Epstein where they were talking about Biggie um, I thought it was hilarious uh, when they played that one song that Biggie and Tupac recorded <laughs> and um Rosenberg was saying this is the most Tupac verse ever because like it was like Hennessy enemies and you know how Tupac does with the uh, end of his uh, syllables on certain words and then he would rhyme like two of those same rhymes like in the same verse and I thought that was funny but you know people always come at him for not being that great of a lyricist or a technical rapper but I mean you know, listen to a lot of his songs. I mean, I think his flows are kind of ill, and he switches it up a little bit. And, you know, lyrically, I mean, he's not like a punchline type of guy, but, you know, he gets his point across really well, and it's not that simple. So, I don't know. I I, I think that he doesn't get his respect as a lyricist. Um, as well, well, you know, you know, um, I, um, yeah, that was like a really off kilter um, <clears throat> episode of One Epstein. Like, you know, coming like going into it, I thought it was like an actual professional type of thing. Like, they had like a whole bunch of people just talking about him. Um, which actually, I was pretty happy that they didn't because um, I get kind of tired of hearing about Biggie and Tupac. And um, I think I think it was Rosenberg. No, it was um, no, I think Combat Jack. He made the. Uh, the comment, I think, with um, I can't think of his name, but he's the guy that's that's like working on Revolt Revolt TV with um Diddy. Oh about, yeah. Um, oh. Yeah, and um and you know Combat Jack said, you know, come on man, be truthful. 
because you know everyone was supposed to be in a car with 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 uh, with, with, uh, with Biggie, <laughs> and which is true. That's all you hear. Man, let me tell you something, man. Man, I caught. Yeah, I was talking to him hours before, nigga, hours before. I was supposed to be in the car with him. That's all you ever hear. Like, it drives up a wall because you don't have these niggas aligned. And the crazy thing is, like, you was, like everybody was talking to him hours before. This is before the proliferation <laughs> of cell phones. So, yeah. <laughs> like, was he just convening, uh, like, a nigga council meeting? <laughs> And this is where everybody was talking to him hours before, like, I don't know. Yeah, but, yeah it is uh, It is interesting how people kind of seem to exaggerate their biggie affiliations um, after the fact, and now he's gone. Um, yeah. You know, Lil Finesse, um, have you listened to the newest one upstream? Not the whole way through. I haven't. I'm probably about, like, almost halfway through now. Okay, um, you know what's funny that um, like I'm, I, I pretty much listen to every Juan Epstein within the span of about I think two months and like a little bit of change. I mean, wow. well, there was some. I mean, like some of the comedians I, I just didn't listen to because I, I don't care. Yeah. Um, but yeah, every hip hop one I've listened to, and so now I'm at, I'm at the point that I gotta wait for the episode to drop, <laughs> and I don't I don't like it. <laughs> um. But yeah, but toward the um the end, Lord Finesse, um, he he mentioned you know because they asked him about you know like the you know the main thing that he remembers about Big L, and he did mention something about how now since you know everyone every like all the rappers, some, a lot of rappers nowadays they say that oh he was my man, and <laughs> Finesse said he doesn't remember ever seeing him around Big L when he was alive. <laughs> and he says, says it's like one of the biggest things that's like just like you know, that burns him up inside when he thinks about it. Mm. And so I mean I can imagine, man. But um, yeah. But going back to like the pot thing, like you know, <clears throat> him getting this point across. Um, I, I listened to uh, the little Boosie um, <laughs> Combat Jack, mm-hmm. and I, you know it, it's it's something about little Boosie. Um, I mean there is. And, you know, if I had to say, I would probably call him like a Southern, well, that's what they call him anyway, like a Southern Tupac. And he even says that, you know, the way, the reason why his music, he thinks at least why his music resonates is because he's not, it's not always focused on trying to make someone dance. He wants you to feel, feel it in your heart. Or what are you saying? Yeah. And, you know, I can, I can see that. I mean, how much... How much Lil Boosie have you listened to? <laughs> you know what? I mean, it's not a lot. I mean, you know when... Have, have you listened to that episode? I did listen to it. Okay, well, did, did you, you know, do you remember, like, when he mentioned, uh, he mentioned Baltimore, Baltimore, and, like, how, he, how he's there all the time? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I remember when I heard that, it just made sense. Everything clicked, like, because, you know... If people don't know, like, there was a time, and probably still now, every little dude in Baltimore had that boosty haircut. That's very true. Um, and everyone had it, it, it one of them, one of those mixtapes, I don't know, but I, I probably listened to, like, two or three boosty mixtapes in my, you know, on my day. Oh, so know. I have listened I, to a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know, like, I... 
I like because people like them so much and you know they regard his music so highly you know I try to listen and I try to find songs here and there that I like and I have been finding a couple um I think one thing that always kind of turned me off from him was his voice it just yeah like grates on my ears sometimes (laughs) but um I don't know I'm I'm curious to see what this new album that he has is going to sound like. I think he has a release date and it's coming out soon. I did like that one single that he had um, when he first came out of jail. So, yeah, surprisingly, it was on like it was on the radio. I just couldn't I couldn't imagine that type of song being on the radio. I mean, people love Boosie. Especially yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but but um, also speaking of uh, Lord Finesse, um. I never really thought about it. You know, I think um, the War Report is one of those th- one of those albums I'm, I've never really looked um, at the production credits like really thoroughly because I just kind of assumed that Havoc and Kadat and Tragedy just handled all the all the production, but um, I didn't know that Channel Ten was produced by Lord Finesse. Wow. Um. Yeah. Because they. Um, yeah. He. Uh, yeah. He. He mentions it um, on that podcast and. Um, you know, it doesn't really sound like a little finesse beat to me. It sounds like more of a tragedy beat, especially the drums. Yeah, and it's so, like, laid back, kind of. But I, yeah. I, I I think that's a credit to the producer, though, to, you know, switch up your style when you're dealing with different types of artists. I mean, yeah, but, um, I mean... <sighs> Because you, I'm still, I'm still on the fence about whether suicidal thoughts to me is like a Lord Finesse type of beat or not. Because to me, the drums don't exactly sound like a Lord Finesse type of. Because you know, like Lord Finesse to me, he has like he, his drums and like his bass is like really funky, and they aren't really like you know they aren't slow and droning and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, like because I think I think that's because maybe you're thinking of. Um D-I-T-C, Lord Finesse, you know? Yeah. And it's like, when he's around them, you know, his style kind of fits that. But, you know, when he's contracted out or, you know, is making music outside of the outside of his circle, it probably switches up a little bit more. Mm, that's true. I can see that. Um, I don't know, like, um... Because... But, yeah, that, that um... That's suicidal thoughts. That's a that's a monster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Um, you know, it's actually one of those songs I really can't listen to all the time. And actually, you know, I have a I have a, a like a really small story about it. Um, so, all right, so, um, you know, all right, so I'm in I'm in Oklahoma. Um, as we know. Um, so you know, sometimes I, I can't smoke I can't smoke in my place. So. I go outside and smoke. I'm smoking a cigar. I have, you know, a glass of whiskey out. Um, and I, I tend to listen to a podcast when I'm outside and porch smoking and doing whatever or reading. Um, <clears throat> so I had a combat jack on with, with Lord Finesse is on it. And um, they play, you know, they, they would play like certain biggie cuts, um, you know, that he did. And uh, when it seemed like whenever they would play some type of like really ignorant shit, a couple of white people will always walk past and past the house. <laughs> um, so, and for some reason, this is like a day, I, my hair is like really, like really crazy. It was like, I don't know what the fuck happened. My hair was like crazy. 
Um, and I guess I had maybe like two whiskeys or whatever like that. I'm sitting there chilling. I'm standing up. And then they play Suicide Thoughts. And then I'm, in my head, I'm like, damn, I haven't heard this shit in a good minute. So I was, that, I was like, that beat's crazy. So I was not my head pretty hard, smoking. I, maybe I was smoking my cigar harder, pulling on it a bit harder. And there had to be like four white girls that walked past. And they they saw me, and they stopped the conversation. <laughs> and their eyes got big, and they started walking faster. Oh, my God. It was the funniest shit ever, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> and of course, because and then like you know the, because they they came in like at the very beginning. Fuck it! When he when he starts off like that, I'm a piece, I'm a piece of fucking shit. Something something yeah. So I can tell. <laughs> yeah man. So that was uh it was interesting. Speaking of um, I guess let's, let's get into it now because we didn't um and well first. Let me ask you um, how you feel about the uh, version of Suicidal Thoughts that was on the Biggie Duets album. Hey, uh, you remember that? I don't, rem- I don't remember that. The only thing I remember off that album is that bullshit single that had Crazy going on it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, you can- Oh, God. I mean, the album, I mean, I like the album, actually, the Biggie Duets, and uh, the the yeah, suicidal thoughts that they had, um, it didn't have the Diddy ad-libs in the back, but it had, a, uh, it was a Marvin Gaye, not Marvin Gaye, um, it was a Bob Marley sample, and, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it was, uh, it, like, it was real dark, and it was, um, it was uh, Biggie featuring Bob Marley, and they had them together, and I really liked it. I mean, a lot of people probably thought it was sacrilegious or offensive or something like that, but I thought it was dope the way they did that. You know, man, you know, um, I mean, well, uh, well, when you mean, like, sacrilegious, do you mean um, because Bob Marley is for righteousness and you had this nigga talking about killing himself? Um, I mean, partly that and partly just, um, because of the, I mean, you know, a lot of people consider that whole album to be sacrilegious just because you have somebody of this iconic stature and you're placing them with people who they may or may not have gotten along with or would have even done a song with, um, you know, had they still been alive. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, Bob Marley being gone, you know, just, just basically taking somebody who's gone who doesn't have any more control over that music and mm-hmm. somebody who's considered to be a genius and an icon and just, you know, doing what you want to do with their their art. Okay. Um, what was I going to say about that damn album? Um, man, like, the, I don't know, like, I, I got really turned off by the album, like, especially when, um, when I saw the video for the single with Tim and Crazy Bone, and, like, the video was corny, too. Um, and then, you know, it was, it was fresh off of his, you know, thing, um, his, you know, his riding dirty verse, so, of course, that's probably oh, yeah. one thing why it was, you know, it happened the way it did, but, um, I'm not entirely, I think, maybe it was around the same time, I think it kind of had to be, I'm not sure, but... I oh well it was it's either I all I, I hoped or I, or I, I wished that the Biggie Duets album was going to be kind of like um the um the Ghost Space joint off of um Fishgale. Oh yeah yeah matter of fact I think that was a bonus cut on the Biggie Duets album. It's a 
talking about the um some of the joint with uh Raekwon and Biggie. They had Raekwon on it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ghostface, Raekwon, and Biggie. Oh, really? hard. Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, it was, and so I mean, I thought that it would it would be like real big. I mean, because I mean, if anything, I, I can accept, I, I can accept that at least. But um, yeah. how the fuck did he even get that? How did he get that verse anyway? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so that's a really good question. question. And it was uh, it was interesting because um, you know the history of you know in the nineties when everybody was throwing shots at each other and. uh you know, that infamous skit from um, Supreme Clientele when uh, he said, you know, niggas bit off Nas nah, shit. <laughs> yeah, well, hold on. Uh, that's not the point. Is that Shark Niggas? Yeah, 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 yeah. Shark Biters, I think that's what it was. Oh, yeah, Cuban Links, yeah. Cuban Links, yeah, my bad. I said Supreme Clientele. But, um, but yeah, and so, you know, that whole tension. It's funny because Method Man talked about that, um, in the interview that he did with Hot 97, where he was talking about how, you know, certain people in the clan wouldn't speak to Biggie and stuff like that, you know, just off the strength, but he always did. And I guess that kind of goes back to, I mean, you know, I believe Method Man, but, you know, it, it, it like kind of goes back to everybody's Biggie story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. I had something to say, but one interesting thing that Method Man did say was, um, he did say, uh, that when they recorded the what, um, he was like, man, Biggie wrote his shit. I saw him. <laughs> <laughs> he wrote his shit down. So, you know. And then uh, it was some podcast I listened to recently where, where the person was, I forgot who it was, but they said sometimes Biggie did write or he would try to write because it would be pen and paper in the studio, but then they say, like, his best stuff. He just thought of it in his head, so. Oh, you know, I, I think um, that was, um, I think that was a Combat Jack interview, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who was it with? Um, Oh, it was with, uh, I, I can't even think of who it was with. It was a recent one, though. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't know either. But um, going back to uh, to your Oklahoma story about the white girls, um, we didn't really get into the uh, recent controversies at uh, University of Oklahoma. <laughs> um, yeah, where you are. So I just wanted to get your thoughts as uh, someone in <laughs> of color who's down there and messed up at all. Oh uh, yeah, all right, all right, yeah. So I'll I'll do this and then I'll, I'll get to Canada because um I went like on a on, on a small rant um the other day about this shit. Okay. Um. Okay. So did I tell you about the uh, I told you about the hip hop lecture, right? That I went to. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then did, did I go any further about me talking to the guy afterward after the other um the lecture? Uh, a little bit because you were talking about how um, you know you thought it was going to be some BS at first, but um, you know it seemed cool and all of that. Okay, all right. So, okay, so first of all, when it happened, um, okay, so when it happened, I, I was sitting like you know typing in my computer or whatever, and I get a text about it um, from um, a friend of mine around here. Um, 
and then um, and he sent it like a, a group text, like for all, like pretty much all the other people that were on my phone who who are of color. Um, so we had kind of like small conversation above, like you know, damn, that's fucked up. After that happens, um, you know, um, the president of the university, he, like instantly, he puts out some shit saying, you know, it won't be tolerated. He's going to fix it. Um, then the next morning, there's like a big, a long email about it. Um, putting the president saying like, you know, what he did and all this other type of shit. He closed, he shut like the whole fraternity down with like, I think within hours. Um, and did other things too. But while all this happened, the same night when, when like, when this, when thing, when it all came to light, what happened, um, you get, um, also within that text message, it was, um, an invitation to a protest that was happening seven o'clock in the morning the next day about it. Mm. And so in my head, I'm like, you know, okay, cool, whatever. I said, all right, protest, all right, cool. So, then, but then I'm telling you, the next day, the president does everything. He shuts him down. He says he suspends all the people, and he goes one by one with this video and he tries to find. He finds these people, at least all of them, for the most part, and he expels them. So I'm like, all right, well, cool. You know, the president did his thing. No, all right, cool, whatever. So then, next thing you know, I hear about another fucking protest. <laughs> That's what happens the next day. And I'm like, okay. I said, all right, I'll, I'll give him this protest. Next day, fucking protest. I'm like, look, all right. And I was getting really upset about this shit because there's no point. Like, why Like, why are you sitting there yelling and hooping and hollering? You, you can't do it because the president all, already did what he did. They're gone. And it didn't help that... Um, um, you know, we have, you know, we had news, like, news people, CNN, NBC, ABC, the local news channels from around Oklahoma, all here, all day, every day, just, you know, just out looking for people to talk to with bands and shit, cameras everywhere, whatever like that, and then I hear about preachers, a whole bunch of, like, a congregation of preachers got together or whatever, and then they're talking about, um, you know, there should be some type of large, some large study done on all universities on, you know, racism and shit like that. Like, like, like people don't know about it. And so that kind of, so that kind of pissed me off because, you know, it seems like they just want to be in a line, like, just talking about racism. And then I, and I didn't want to do this, but then I go, like, on CNN or whatever like that, on, like, the new, on uh, the, the fucking website. And because uh, my mother was telling me about, you know, she saw some, some, some fat stuff you do protesting or whatever like that. And so I go and see this shit, and, you know, a whole bunch of, I mean, it wasn't a lot, I guess a lot, but it was some black people protesting. And then one of the, one of the niggas in the front, he, you know, he looked like a fucking preacher, had the glasses on, haircut, you know, um, the, the suit on, looking like fucking Martin Luther King. They're trying to start his political <sighs> career. So right. what were they protesting? They were protesting racism. <laughs> you know, just, just just being really general because they can't do anything else because the president already did what the fuck he did. I mean, you should probably now, be happy that the president did what he did. Now, I can see point. See, I can see point by point. Like, if you come with a point by point thing of what you're protesting, like I could see if you're coming at the fraternity structure. I could see like there's a there's a list of I think systemic things to actually be protesting, but. I don't think protesting is the way to go about uh, doing anything about that 
particular thing. I think protesting is to get, you know, awareness to the situation, but people are already aware of it. So I, you know, I definitely see your point on that. I don't know. Okay, uh, well. Protesting is all the rage now. <laughs> it is. All right. And, all right, so then, and so this was kind of like the final straw for me. I'm, I'm walking, I'm walking to Starbucks, you know, and the, the, the day before, or two days, yeah, the day before I experienced, you know, every day I walk around here, I experience some type of, some type of prejudice. So, the day, um, the day before the final straw happened, you know, I'm walking, and I had maybe like, you know, five or six books in my hand, you know, I'm trying to work on this paper, or whatever like that, walk to the Starbucks. Um, there's two white, two older white women in front of me. One of the white women, she looks back and she notices me. And then so her eyes get kind of big. And I don't know if it's because she probably want to attack her or because, you know, I'm a nigga with books. And I know it's probably even more scary than a nigga trying to attack her. <laughs> so, you know, I'm walking, you know, I'm, I'm doing what I do. And so, you know, I even stopped, you know, I, you know, I reached up for my books because they were about to fall or whatever like that. But, you know, both of my hands were occupied. I couldn't attack her. So um, we're walking, and I kind of like, you know, walk up. You know, they're walking kind of slow, and they were talking. But anyway, the other, the other woman, she was talking to her. She had to repeat what she said to her because she was so focused looking back at me every other, like, every other second. And then so they were walking so slow that I kind of, kind of like, got up on them. And so when she turned back again, I was kind of, like, right there. Uh-huh. And then she, her eyes got really big, and she almost went to, like she almost like walked into a tree. <laughs> and, and the thing was like, and so when, she, when that when that happened, the woman was like, what, what, "What's wrong?" Like the other woman who was talking to, "What's wrong?" And so she turned, her eyes got big. <laughs> and so I looked at both of them. I just shook my head and just kept on walking because this is ridiculous. Like I mean. Even when I go to Starbucks sometimes, I'll see some, some white people see me, you know, I have like 10 books stacked. They look at me like I'm not supposed to be there, and they just don't understand why I have these books or how I even got them. <laughs> sometimes, I'm like, the way they look at me, this is how I feel. And then even um, I'm going to, like, the, the counseling center on campus. I get, you know, I'm, I'm coming out of the counseling office. And, you know, I get on the elevator. These other two white people, they see me. They would, they they didn't want to go in the elevator, but I guess they felt like they had to because I held the door for them like I was a fucking elevator man. <laughs> and so, but, <laughs> so, oh, 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 so you you being a uh, a former Starbucks employee, um, I don't know if you've heard about the uh, what is it Race Together campaign that they had. No, what's that? Oh man, so. I think it was, uh, what's his name, Charles uh, Schultz? Um, um, uh, Howard Schultz. Howard Schultz, yeah. He took out an ad, and he basically um, had this whole campaign. Um, I think Common was part of it, too. <laughs> um, so, basically, um, he was like, you know, we need to have a conversation about race in this country. And it should happen at Starbucks. So he wanted the baristas to write hashtag race together on, um, and they didn't have to do it, but, you know, if they wanted to do it, they could do it. Write hashtag race together when they give a customer a uh, coffee cup 
and try to start a conversation about race. Okay, you know what? <laughs> you, you know, well, okay, well, all right, well, this kind of relates to my final straw because the day after that shit happened, when I'm walking, I um I see a cameraman. I'm walking past the cameraman. The cameraman is like taking this large shot of the university. And then I was going to keep walking. I said, no, don't ask him anything. But I, I just couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. I asked him, like, why is he here? He told me because of the, the, the preachers were coming or something like that. And they were about to talk about race. And so I said, oh, man, fuck this. And, th- and then um, I see one of, one, one of my black friends at Starbucks were talking, you know, because <laughs> as soon as he saw me, he went straight to my table. He, like, he almost, like, dropped his, his, his fucking his MacBook and said, nigga, did you hear what happened? What do you think? So we're talking. Next thing we know, we see a white girl on the corner with a fucking um uh, uh um uh, like a, you know one of those like uh, those poster paper things holding it up about it had something on it. And people were coming up talking to her. And then we see a cameraman running over to to the girl, whatever like that. And um, he went outside. The guy and told me what it said, and it said something about. Um, how do you feel about race or some some shit like that? So, you know, after that, you know, I eventually got left, and then I, I was I worked on an op-ed for sent to New York Times about it and about my about, about my experiences being in Norman, Oklahoma, and saying like this shit is not that serious because it always happens every day. And I said, in pretty much in the op-ed, I said if you pick a black person out. And ask them how they how how they're treated here. They can probably tell you the same thing. So then this goes to the this goes to the hip hop lecture. Um, I meet up with the guy. I'm talking to him, and um, you know he's um, he was actually before the hip hop lecture. He he had taping. Um, he did like a live taping of democracy now, talking about what happened. Um, and so we, you know, we were talking, and so him and um, me and him were talking. Then this other guy comes up, and they're kind of like involved in like the black shit that you know the black associations associations around here. And um, mind you, there's like four or five different black organizations. So first of all, just thinking about that, that's kind of crazy. That makes no sense. Why are they, why are there five different black organizations? Now, <laughs> my question is, um. How many black organizations are all the black people in? <laughs> like, is like, like, is anybody a member of all four? Are they all just all the same people, but <laughs> with different, different names <laughs> on different days? You know, well, th- th- this is what I was told. Um, I was told that, and you know, I was right. I was right that um, cause I asked them. None, none of the black organizations do anything. They don't really do. They don't really do anything. Um, but also, he told me that what have what usually what, what what has happened is that you have you know a certain sex a certain sector of the uh, was I guess like the, the main one, the Black Student Association or whatever it's called. They get mad at something they don't like how it's run, and so they go off and they make their own or black organization, pretty much group on the same shit. So it's nothing but factionalism, pretty much. I see. So another question I have about just the, uh, I guess, the um, racial landscape down there. Um, I was listening to a podcast I like uh, called the Mandatory Samson Podcast, and they were talking about it. And they were talking about, the uh, like, one of the kids' apologies or whatever. And um, I don't know if you heard that. 
No. I heard about it. Yeah, um, they played it, and then they were talking about how he had to go, and, you know, he talked to the black leaders, and they kept saying the black leaders, and who are the black leaders? And they said something about he had to apologize to the captains of the football team or something like that. <laughs> well, like, he had to have a conversation with them. And then it was like, you know, why do you have to do that? And it's like, you know, at a school like this, you know, they're recruiting black people to be on the football team. So that's basically like a black organization. Man. I don't know. I mean, I mean, I don't know how true that is, but it just like you gotta go apologize to the football team. And then there was that one guy. I heard that they were trying to recruit to the football team, and he was like, "Nah, I'm not going there." Uh, yeah, home, yeah, but home away. But like, where did home? But he decides to go like what Mississippi or some shit. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, we talking. Me and my mother were talking about it, and I said that's that's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> You're going deeper into the south, dumbass. <laughs> man, like, right. have you ever heard a Big Crit album? <laughs> yeah, man. Like, oh, uh, uh, what's the name? Um, uh, David Banner. <laughs> man, man, all you gotta do is think of the fucking J Electronica line, man. He said, "Down south, they call me white man because I hang MCs." <laughs> <laughs> but um. Yeah, so like you know, so so um, so so you know, they they both told me that um, I think uh, like two days prior to me talking to them, um, all like all the leaders of the associations, they had a meeting about what's going on and what they're going to do about it. Um, but the thing is, though, none of them can get along because they they don't agree with what's been going on. And the main thing is about the airtime that one particular organization is getting. And it's called All You Unheard. And yeah, yeah. Okay, so this, this, this is the thing about All You Unheard because I cut the dude off and I said, look, I don't recall even hearing about All You Unheard amongst the Confederation of Black Associations on OU's campus. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that they're brand new, right? He says, yeah, they are brand new. They're all, they're, he told me they're like three to four months old. And he said that what happened was, for some reason, someone happened to give them that tape or whatever, whatever happened. And they put it up, and they got all the airtime. So when these CNN motherfuckers started coming down here, they wanted to talk to OU and her. They, they really didn't want to talk to any other, uh, any other black organization. And it makes all the other organizations mad because they can't get any airtime. And so they're trying to tell them, like, look, you need to, like, have someone else come up in there and talk to and not just y'all. And the thing is, OU Unheard is made up of, um, I was told mostly, like, sophomore and freshmen. And, you know, they're really young, and so they pretty much, when they come to these meetings, they go in there and they they, they think they run everything because they're, like, the hot black organization, Mm. pretty much. So, and then also, there's, like, an African organization, too. Um, But in the African organization, they they went up in there to say, you I hear that they came up in there and just said, y'all never think about us when y'all, when y'all, when y'all are doing these things and kind of like kicked them out, out of the room. <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah, and so, you know, the guys, you know, the, the meeting, it, it involved a lot of people crying, getting mad, fights started about to break out, people leaving, slamming doors, and um, Sounds like an episode of Boondocks. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, this 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 is the same shit we always talk about. Um, and also, I said, well, I mean, do you, do you guys have like an older? Maybe you guys need like an older influence. And they were like, nigga, we already had that because they still had people who already graduated, like who people who are like in their thirties and forties, who you know who are, who came back and who are still kind of affiliated. So they came back with like you know, to the meetings, and when they saw what was going on, they walked out and said they're not dealing with it. So they they gone. Um, maybe you need to be the one. <laughs> I mean, well, they. They told, I mean, well, well, this is what I did. I said, look, I said, because, because the guy said it was kind of funny that, um, because he's from Oakland, I'm from Baltimore, and the other guy was from Chicago. And we all come from, you know, really sketchy areas. Um, and so I told him, I said, look, I said, maybe what y'all need to do is y'all just need to sit down and have like a little powwow about, you know, about, um, the things that all of you guys have experienced when it comes to prejudice. To seeing a certain, you know, a white, a certain white person, whoever it may be, treat you in a different way so you guys can come together. And so we had, we ended up having a little powwow about, about the things that we experienced. So I told him about my thing with like the tree and the two white ladies. And the, I think this one was even worse. Um, it, it snowed down here. It was like really icy on the campus. And, um, the, the guy from Chicago, he comes out from, um, he, I think he's a, he, he, he's an actor. He comes out from like the studio, whatever he, he was coming from. He had like a hoodie on because it was cold outside. He had a hoodie on his head. He had like sweats on or whatever like that. He was walking. There was like a white guy who was walking too. And he was walking on the ice. He had like his, his MacBook. Um, you know, it wasn't like in the case or anything like that. It was just in his hand. And he's walking, but then he turns, he turns his head. He sees him. He starts walking faster on the ice. <laughs> and so the dude said, and said he was like, he said he knows that the guy's going to fall. So, so, so the guy starts walking faster because he sees that he's approaching. You know, I guess he was walking a bit faster than, than the white guy. The white guy looks back again. He slips. He goes He goes all the way up in the air. The mad foot goes up in the air and comes down. Just crashes, crashes and breaks in half. Oh man! And then so the black guy just goes up there. He helps him. He helps him up. And he brushes him off like, oh, oh man, I'm sorry about your MacBook, sir. And he picks up both parts of the MacBook and just hands it to him. I hope he said he said it was like, I hope you have insurance. And walks off. <laughs> <laughs> he said the guy. He said the guy. He said his jaws dropped when they, when he helped him up. He didn't know what to do with himself. Um, I mean, he probably thought he was about to die. He probably did. So, I mean, in a nutshell, this is how I feel. Um, because, you know, I told, you know, I, I told your, your white counterpart one day, um, because I went, like, on a, on a little rant about this, like, in some type of, somewhere else. Um, and he was telling me that, like, some of his black students were, like, were showing up out of nowhere with, like, you know, oh, you unheard, some type of, you know, black power protest shit. Um, shirts or whatever like that, mm. and they only do it. it I mean, it, it's you know, it, it, it it's a trend. That is, it's all it is. People do this shit because it's a cool thing to do, and it just really, it really gets on my nerves because when shit dies down, no one cares about anything. They they go back to church, you go back to their mosque, whatever, and they live their lives. 
and they don't think about like, any of the um, shit that goes on. It's kind of like, um, you know, how conservatives are always coming at, you know, the liberal culture of this type of shit. Like, it's a whole bunch of people trying to exploit their, um, you know, either real or per- or perceived, um, I guess, slights to, you know, their benefit and try to, you know, pop off off of that some type of way and try to capitalize off of it. And, you know, it's um, it's politically incorrect to say anything against it. Like, you know, I'm sure the way that we're speaking now, somebody might call you like an Uncle Tom or something like that, like, for questioning their protesting. But, you know, everything that you're saying is making logical sense. I mean, yeah, and, you know... um and you know it, it was a good thing because um yeah, I saw I started writing the iPad like around one o'clock in the morning at one thirty, and something told me because I was I was going to say fuck it because I just wanted to get their attention although it was it was still kind of rough but they could see the idea and then they sent it back to me and told me to edit it then I I would do it and I was going to send it off but um something told me to call my mother and so like surprisingly she woke up and she told me the possible repercussions of sending it. And pretty much saying, you know, I am affiliated with the university, so I could probably get in trouble if I do it. Mm. So, um, yeah, I didn't send it off, but I still have it as a Google Doc. So maybe if something else pops off and I'm not affiliated with anything, I'll, I'll maybe I'll, I'll revisit it. Um, yeah. But also, what's interesting, I, I forgot to tell you this. Um, oh, like a, two or three days ago, two or three days after that, all that shit happened, there was an email that was circulated amongst, like, the history faculty here. And it was from, I, I can't think of his name. I, I still have an email somewhere. I can probably, I can probably forward it to you when I find it. Um, but um, it's like this guy talking about, um, you know, like, I guess, like, the final, the final extermination. And pretty much he's saying that, um, you know, all black people have to be exterminated in order for these types of things to, uh, to, you know, to to cease. Um, and so um, the, the chair of the department, he circulated around through the entire department, you know, just letting us know that this type of shit is out there. So what was the source of the email? <sighs> um, I, I don't know. Some some guy, but I think he's some type of local guy around here in these parts. Um, it it kind of reminds me like, you know, um, I guess it's a hobby of mine to uh, peruse racist websites and yeah. uh, see what they're saying about us, and it's real, like it's it's really real out here. Like people, you know. I always wonder, like, and people comment on the articles and stuff, and, you know, they call us all kind of things like monkeys, and, you know, they go into these scientific explanations about why we're not humans and all this other type of stuff, like, and and I always wonder, you know, who are the people behind the keyboard? Like, are these the people that I'm walking by every day and working within the office and all this type of stuff? And, um, and... You know, even, like, um, my girlfriend, like, she uh, follows uh, Fox 45 on Facebook. And a lot of times 
when a news story comes out, um, you know, about some type of uh, black crime, um, I mean, the comments are just ridiculous, like all the racism that's in the comments. And, you know, these are people locally in this area, you know, who are paying attention to Fox 45. And so, you know, that goes to show that wherever you are, it's out here and it's real and it's in force. And there are people who are working to, or if not working, thinking daily about how to exterminate us. (laughs) And sometimes that makes me quite uneasy. Man, look, I was in, um, did I tell you about when I went to, uh, to a, uh, to a reception? My, my, uh, advisor's reception? Um, was that the one at the house, or is that something else? Oh, no, that's the end of um, I don't know if you told me about this one. Okay, well, yeah, well, yeah it, was at, it was at my advisor's house. Um, we had, like, a job talk here, whatever, like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, hmm, thinking of, oh, fuck it. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, because I, um, I, I mentioned to someone that, you know, we're doing a podcast, so I don't, <clears throat> Oh. Maybe I'll, 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 I'll let you know about that off there. Okay. <laughs> it's nothing really serious, but, you know, let's say if someone wants to listen to it, I mean, you know, I'm not trying to self-incriminate myself. Um, just in case. I mean, I got the more of the story. This shit is real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, shit, 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 is, shit is real. Um, but, you know, I'm thinking, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know which one is my, you know, I, I told you, you know, like the... Uh, my number one pet peeve in the whole wide world next to a racist is someone who walks around with a suit on with the suitcase and he only has his lunch in the suitcase. He, he doesn't do anything else. He just walks around with a suit. It drives me a fucking world and I don't know what's worse. Niggas protesting just to protest because it's a trend or a nigga like a nigga walking around with a suit for no reason. <laughs> so I don't know. I think maybe the pro- I don't know, maybe the protesters for no reason. Maybe that's a bit that's number one and maybe the, the nigga in the suit is number two. I'm not sure yet. Um but yeah, but I just wanna lighter note, let's get to Canada because it's just, just I mean it really it really upsets me. It just really it just drives me up a fucking wall. Like I really get upset about this shit. And so sometimes, you know, when I talk about it, I just gotta stop talking about it. Yeah. Because Sometimes I just want to, like, go to a protest with a megaphone, just talk about all the niggas that are protesting, and then I'm like, and I just want to be like, look, and next week when all this shit dies, then you're going to go back to your happy-ass, black-ass lives and not even think about this shit. You're going to be in the club, you're going to be watching a football game, you're going to be trying to uh, find out where the weed and the bitches at, and you're going to be turning up. Right. Yeah, man. So, um, I guess on Canada, right? Um, yeah. Uh, interesting. You know, I had um had, had quite a bit of Ivy Leaguers too. Um, one from Yale, one from Harvard. Had Cornell, um, Princeton, and actually, I was I was the the uh, the youngest person here too. Mm. Um. It's, but it's interesting too because uh, one like um, there were like three gay guys there, and one of the gay guys he was a he he's Apache. Mm. He's Apache. He, he looks like Geronimo's son for real. 
And um, he, like, he he wears like lipstick too. So that he, he, was, he was an interesting dude. He was. Um, but yeah, you know, we went through what the Hudson Hudson Hudson's Bay archives and stuff like that. I'm on the fur trade. Um, you know, seeing how seeing how like certain things were. You know, certain people there, they did have actual um, research topics that were related to Canada and fur trade. Um, I didn't, but I didn't really. Um, so I looked at this one um, um, journal from a fur trading post called Moose Factory from 1938 to 1939. And um, I figured that, you know, since I don't, I don't know much about the uh, the fur trade in Canada or even a fur post, I figured that if I just focus on one or two years at one post, I could probably learn a lot. Mm. And so I think the main thing that popped out um, to me was the fact that um, there was... One entry said that, you know, Dr. So-and-so is inoculating the uh, the Indians at the school because by this time they had, like, an Indian residential school um, that came up in 1938. And um, so I saw that, and, like, two or three entries, two or three entries later, or three days later, rather, um, there was an outbreak of, like, smallpox and other diseases within the school. And I'm thinking in my head that, you know, inoculation, you know how, how it goes, and, you know, if someone gets inoculated, it's not really something normal that you'll really hear about a big outbreak within like three days of you know you of, of someone being inoculated or something like that. Yeah. Um, and so I was um, told that um, they um, at least in Canada because I think the United States was a bit different. Although Canadians based their Indian boarding school system on the United States system. But um, there was, like, a lot of experimentation going on with the indigenous people in Canada. Um, so when they were, so sometimes they would, like, inoculate people. They were, like, the Indians, they were, put, they were putting, like, some crazy shit inside of them to, to, to see how they, how they react to it. Um, so she told me that nine times, well, I was told by, like, the leaders of the workshop that nine times out of ten that that's what was going on. And then, like, the same thing kind of pops up um, with, like, dogs because, like, their dogs were dying. Um, and it was only on that post where the dogs were dying, not nowhere else in the region. In, in the region, and so there was experimentation going on with animals too. And then you had, you know, Indians up to the 1930s still, still, you know, trying to still hunting, hunting for furs to sell, or whatever like that. And um, every so often there would be like a couple of Indians who who would freeze to death doing this. So. Very. It was rather. I learned, I learned quite a bit about quite a bit about the fur trade. Um, but yeah, man, it snowed. It snowed every day, and um, in, in Canada they don't put salt down. They put down uh, um, gravel. Um, you know because you know the uh, environmental impact that salt has. But you know the gravel gets. It gets like really messy. It cakes up on your your boots and your shoes and shit like that. I'm really happy that I, I only bought Tim's over there. That's because like there's there's ice everywhere, whatever you do, and it was kind of scary because um I you know I hopped in the cab when I got I came I got out the airport and um it was um and um a First Nations person mm-hmm. um uh, who was the driver and he was like speeding and there's all this ice and slush and snow on the ground and it was. Uh, it was kind of, kind of, kind of uh, weird. 
um, the tail of because then, you know, they were like certain cars sliding on the fucking ice. <laughs> and he just like whizzing past them at like fucking 40 miles an hour through this slush and ice and, you know, on the street and shit. Now, I guess, um, I guess there they're more used to it. Like, like, do they shut down like how we do? Oh, no. Nah. Um, but the thing was, though, I mean, nah, actually, no, I'm not even sure how much snow they have to have in order, like, to shut down because, you know, it's just an everyday thing. It snows every other day, it seems, like, there in the wintertime. Um, but it was interesting, though, because I gave him, like, a, uh, yeah, you know, I never knew that why. Um, I, I exchanged cash for, for, you know, I exchanged for Canadian money, and you got to pay a fee for that shit. Never knew it. Mm. So, um, because, you know, the, the normal exchange rate is like, you know, for every um, a Canadian, you know, one dollar, a Canadian dollar is worth, what, how does it go, like a dollar and 27 cents? Or something like I don't that. even know. Uh, let me look it up real quick. Um, I mean, I know I, I don't know how to say it. it. It gets kind of confusing to me. Um, I guess. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I guess you would say one Canadian dollar equals one dollar and twenty-seven cents American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. So you know, I. Uh, so pretty much, you know, I, I gave him about eighty dollars, and I got like a hundred something back. But then I had to pay like a nine a nine dollar fee. That's kind of kind of suck. Um. So yeah. So anyway, um. Um. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's yeah. It snowed every fucking day, and negative fifteen degrees Celsius is probably like what, like twenty degrees or thirty degrees, something like that. But something like that. When, but then when it gets to like negative forty Celsius, they say like it's pretty much like the same thing for some reason in Fahrenheit or something like that. It's like it's really weird. Huh. And I never knew that um, they don't have uh, they don't have a dollar bill. They only have um, dollar coins. Huh. <laughs> um, and then and they have a two dollar coin as well. Um, so. That was that was rather disturbing because I didn't want to have all the change, and so me trying to get rid of my change when I, when I left involved me buying Bacardi that was on sale in the airport in Winnipeg. <laughs> of course, of course, I still have it. And I have um, um, I, I tried absinthe earlier before we started recording. It you know it, it's it's interesting. It's not really. Yeah, I think it's a slightly different high compared to, like, more regular alcohol. Yeah, it is. I guess it's more, it's more in your head, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I guess I can see that, yeah. I can, I can see that, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, um, well, I'm about to speak through this real quick, because I'm sure everyone doesn't want to hear about in Canada anyway. Um, okay, so... I made sure I did at least one thing, so I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to go to a bar because you know I feel that wherever you go, I think the fastest way to get the culture of a certain place is by going to a bar. Right. So um, I go to this bar with um, two other people that's like literally like twenty steps away from the hotel that we're in. We get there. Um, it's like it's country music blasting all this type of shit. I thought I was in Oklahoma for real. <laughs> Um, 
Yeah, so they had this um this one because you know when I think of like Canadian music and like I said local scene, I always think of you know some crazy indie indie rock type of music or whatever like that. But um they have like a pretty big country music scene at least in Winnipeg. Um, but it's kind of it's kind of crazy. And when you hear them, they sound like they're from Oklahoma. <laughs> Um, but they had like this one chick, I can't think of her name, but she's like on tour and her tour consists of her riding around her Honda, her, her Honda Civic with her keyboard and writing songs at stop signs. Um, she sang about two songs that she wrote, that she wrote at the stop sign. And, uh, a lot of her shit, she, she references coke a lot, coke and weed, a lot of her songs. <laughs> um... So you know she was uh, she was cool, but then um the, like the big one I think his his name is like Bill Everett and the Poor Choices something Everett and the Poor Choices and they were actually pretty good. Um, I think it's like the first country, like the first thing of country music that I like I really like genuine genuinely liked and I'm not sure if it's because of um it was live or what. I'm thinking if I had to guess it, it probably had to be like the drum pattern. I think the drum pattern was a bit more tighter and it's more I guess syncopated compared to I think normal country music that I'm that I'm used to I'm listening to. So um that was interesting. I pretty much I stayed there by myself because they um the other two guys left after a while. Um but that was that was interesting. So anyway, that's pretty much Canada. Let's go to to, to the more yeah, yeah. So yeah, so for all the listeners, if you go to Winnipeg, you're gonna you're gonna and you go to an actual bar, you wanna hear live music. You're probably gonna hear country music because I hear so. I think Winnipeg, if I'm not mistaken, it's like it's deeper and it's deeper in Canada. And Canada has like a big rural community that I'm that I'm understanding, and so that's why they have like a big country music scene. Mm. Um, yeah, I just Google so, Canadian country music, and I see that they have a Canadian Country Music Association. Oh well, well, you know they had some type of Canadian country music le- legend too. Um, I can't think of his name, but they did like a rendition of one of his songs, and people went crazy. <laughs> yeah. So um. So yeah, that's, that's Canada in, in a nutshell. Just for I guess for the sake of this, for the sake of the episode, let's go to the, to the even more. I'm, I'm planning on uh, making that trip to Canada, not Winnipeg, but um. Montreal. I'm trying to get out there. Uh, nah, not even Montreal. Even though I want to go there too, uh, Toronto. I'm trying to get out there for Carabana this year. Finally, I've been meaning to go for years, but uh, okay, that should be right. Just I know, you know, that part of Canada has a lot of Caribbean um, people, and I know that the Caribbean music is real big out there. Because you know, you have people like Cardinal, Fishall, and all of that. Right. Um. And, you know, Drake seems to be gravitating towards the Caribbean music. So I think OVO Fest might be during um, Carnival as well, or, you know, um, Carabana as well. So okay. I'm thinking about hopping on the Megabus 13 hours to T-Dots. Oh, man, speaking of a bus, oh, man, so, all right. Okay, well, all right, actually, but there, there is another element to Canada because, um, like, I gotta say the best part of last because it's so fucking perfect for this episode. It's so perfect, what, like, what happened when I was in Minnesota airport. Mm. Okay, 
So, to make a long story short, we ended up going to, I guess, what you call the hood in Winnipeg. And, of course, it's a primarily Native American community. I do have some pictures, too. Okay. Well, first off, um, I was listening to something recently, and somebody said that Winnipeg is the road to perdition. <laughs> what does that mean? Um, I think it's, like, the road to hell or something like that. Okay, well, because the thing is, well, okay, I guess because you, uh, have, you ever seen, have you seen the movie Road to Perdition with, uh, I think, Tom Hanks? No, I haven't. Okay, it's actually a pretty good movie. Um, okay, yeah, uh, yeah, I can, I, you know what, yeah, I can see it. There's like a lot of shit going on in Winnipeg, and, um, pretty much, I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the same stories. Um, um, the primary people of color, just in Winnipeg, it's the indigenous people. They're like a third, they're a third of the population, 80,000 of them. They were displaced, and they were moved into other areas, and, they, you know, it was poverty. But it's pretty much like I'm in the business district. Where I was, there wasn't really any trash. When you go to these areas, there's trash on the ground. Thing, you know, they're they're boarded, they're boarded up houses and shit like that. Um, but they have like they have like a lot of murals, like Native American murals. Like they're like, they're really beautiful. Um, but um, we went to the only thing that we did together as a, like as a group for the workshop. We went to Nietzsche Commons. And it's kind of like smack dab in like the hood. I guess I guess you call it the hood, whatever you want to call it. Um, and it's pretty much essentially the, the a Native American Lexington market. Mm. Um. So you know you can get like your, your fresh fruit, fruits and vegetables, and they also they um they'll sell like you know Native American gardener gardeners produce and stuff like that. They have like a little market. Um, too, that you can get, like, your, your Aunt your Mama, of course, and other things. But more interesting, they have an upstairs. They have, and where they have a store where they, um, they sell, like, Native American art, um, all types of things, like moccasins, music, and stuff like that. And, um, and I bought a CD there, too. Um, jewelry, Native American soap, anything, um, anything you want. And they also have a restaurant. So we ate, we, we ate at the restaurant. Um, they have like some some like Native American food, but not a lot. Um, I had this I had some type of tra- uh, traditional bread. It was actually pretty good. I never knew that it, it existed. Um, but that was that was pretty good too. Um, so yeah, but I had pictures, so I guess maybe we could we could post them for this episode. Some of the pictures, if anyone's inter- if anyone is interested. Definitely. Um, right. All right. So go to the main event. We're coming from Canada. So. So, all right, so, you know, we um, pretty much, I think it's like five of us, we all had to, like, transfer. We had, we had to fly to Minnesota. But, you know, this is another thing, too. We were trying to go with this fucking powwow. And I was going to go, but it wasn't worth, like, only being there for 20 minutes. Um, because, I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of a teaser. And the thing was, I was, I was going to try to go, but I heard that you have to go through customs as soon as you get to the airport, which isn't a normal thing from what I'm understanding. Um, you got you go directly to U.S. Customs when you're in Canada. <laughs> so the way it works is, you know, so you go there, you go, you go to U.S. Customs, and so, so technically, when you're like in that part of the airport, you're considered to be. In, so you're technically you're you're in America. And I'm looking. Now, you know, now, 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 now this is at the Canadian airport. Yeah. <laughs> 
scan in my head. I'm like, what type of imperial shit is this? <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like, uh, I guess like an embassy almost, you know? I mean, well, well yeah, well, see, um, one of the guys was explaining it to me. But I'm like, it, I said, yeah, I get it, but it doesn't make any sense. Because when we go to Minnesota, we weren't directly in Canadian customs. <laughs> <laughs> and we're, we're, deep, we're still deep in Canada, deep in Winnipeg, deep as shit. So that's just some imperial shit, some crazy shit they do. Mm. Um... So yeah, so yeah, so yeah, that that was just crazy thing. I've never heard anything like that in my life. But I guess that's what happens. <laughs> See, just, just just imagine like a little piece in an airport. You want you just want to go up there and say, hey, yeah, this is this is America right here for our people when they come through when they come through your shit. We want to check them. This is our shit. Deep deep <laughs> shit in Canada. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but like when I try, I, I try to explain like to other people around me. But they say, "Yeah, we get it." But you know, it, it is what it is. But it's crazy. That's just that is crazy to me. I mean, there's a lot of things that are crazy. I mean, you know, I to me the whole idea of uh, countries is crazy. <laughs> you know, the fact that this arbitrary line on the map uh, determines so much. When at the end of the day we're all people, like it's 2015. It's time to figure out another system or another way. But you know, I guess it's the whole power structure of the way everything is set up. But yeah, it's crazy. Like how, um, like I wonder, like, um. If another country wanted to extradite you, like let's say Canada wanted to lock you up, and if you're running from the Canadian police, could you like run to that part of the airport and be protected and just stay there and have people bring you food and stuff? Hmm, that's a that's a very good question. Hmm, I don't know. Hmm. You know what, maybe, I don't know, yeah, I think I want to try, like, to look into, like, that law, if there's, like, some, some type of law or some shit like that. Mm. Like, you know, something that, that made this shit legal, because it, it just makes no sense to me. Um, but, yeah, so, so, yeah, so, Minnesota. Um, I get to Minnesota, you know, we uh, we all, you know, we all say goodbye, whatever, break into our, our separate directions, because we're going to pretty much all, all over the country, pretty much in different places. Mm-hmm. I get to I get to my gate. I'm walking up. I see you know a man with a fitted hat on, you know some jeans, black shirt, look kind of big, and I'm like, hmm, he look he looks like so and so. So I'm walking. I'm like, huh? Well, maybe I don't know. I said I, I said it can't be him. It can't be. It's just probably some black man. So he turned. He and he you know, he's walking around, pacing back and forth on the cell phone, and he turns. He's like he he puts his head up. And I'm like, oh shit, that is Bun B. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, so I'm so I'm like I'm so I'm kind of like standing there because I had a dream before I left that out that um that I met a rapper. I didn't know who I met, but I just know in my head that I met a rapper. I, well, I, for some reason I understood that was a rapper in my dream. I don't know why. And I'm like, damn, that's crazy. 
Um, so he, he looks up, you know, he's on his phone, but he he like goes like pacing frantically, like I, I guess something happened or whatever like that. Um, and so he turned, he, he put his head up, you know, I guess my eyes got like kind of a big because you know like you know, it's not every day you see Bun B. Yeah. And so he looked at me like, oh shit, he knows who he he, he recognizes who I am, fuck. And I'm like, damn. I just told him, like, damn, well, he's, he, you know, he's walking around frantically. I don't really want to fuck with him. He seems like he's going through something right now. So, you know, so I, I just, um, so I, I said, all right, I'm just going to sit at a random seat. So I sit at a random seat. And just so happens, it happens to be right across from fucking Bun B, of all things. I, did, I didn't realize it. And he, but he doesn't sit down, though. And I'm thinking one of the reasons why he doesn't sit down is because he knows that I know, I know him. He's probably and I'm probably going to talk to him. Um. So he's still like you know on the phone doing whatever. He's kind of he's yelling at people, <laughs> and all these white people are looking at him. But the thing is though, um, the gate out. So the gate was from Oklahoma City, but the gate before, but before the um the, the screen said the gate was originally for um Virginia. And the thing is, I recently listened to his one Epstein interview that he had a while back, and I think he has like three houses, and one is in Virginia. And so I'm assuming that he probably didn't know, and he probably had to go to Virginia, because he damn sure wasn't on the plane to Oklahoma City anyway. Um, so I figured that he was probably just standing there because there's a whole bunch of old white people, and they don't know who he is. And so I noticed like some certain black people were looking at him anyway. And he's on the phone like, no, 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 that's not how it goes, no. <laughs> and I'm like, because I, I, I wanted to ask him a, um, a question from the Warren Epstein interview. I just want to ask him a fucking question. But the funny thing is, I, I was going to do it, but something said, don't do it. And um, I started feeling kind of bad for him because you can tell he was like he was kind of like in a bad mood and like people were like looking at him. He he knew they were looking at him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, damn, I really feel bad for him. And so when I said that, this guy comes up while he's on the phone, smacks him on the back. I mean, you can hear it. Smacks him on the back like, hey man, I love your music, buddy. And, but, I mean, but he, he took it in his stride, though. He smiled and said, thank you, and just kept on with his conversation. And then eventually he took a picture with somebody. But, um, then he got on the phone with his wife and got, like, got into, like, a small argument with her. And, yeah, I, I, I didn't ask him anything. Because after a while, like, um, I, you know, whenever people come up to him, I just kind of gave him a look like, damn, I feel bad for you. Nah. And then, so he did, he did kind of say, he, so he, he decided to sit across for me because he realized I knew who he was, but I wasn't going to fuck with him. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's my that's my Bun B story. So what what did you want to ask him? Um. Well, I was I was gonna I was gonna ask him like how like how does it work with him? Um, when it comes like his shows and whatever else he does, and all, all the fucking features that he does like every five minutes, and how how does he balance that and balance his his uh, his universe his collegiate career as a professor? Yeah. Um, That's a good question because I'm um I'm actually a little bit behind, but I've been uh you know taking this course and watching the videos for the um uh the hip hop and religion course, and it's uh pretty interesting uh, mm-hmm. so far. In fact, I just oh, got yeah. the email saying congratulations, one session finished. <laughs> That's what's up. Um, 
Actually, since I saw him, um, I went back earlier today and I watched, the, I listened to the uh, Combat Jack with him and the, uh, and the Doctor guy. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, now, also, um, because I had that dream, I made demos. I, um, yeah, I, I burned, I burned two of my demos and I had them in my bag with me. I was thinking about giving it to him, but I said, nah. And, and then I heard, and then the fucking interview talks about him collecting demos from a student. So I'm like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I think I did it. God damn it. But then it's like, if I just said, if I just said, hey, I like your music, he probably would accept that. But he wasn't, but he obviously wasn't in the mood to have an actual conversation with somebody. Yeah. And the question I was asking, I, was, I wanted to ask, it involves him saying more than two things. <laughs> and I just, I, and I, in my head, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not sure how that would go. Yeah, I mean, I mean, your question is almost like, you know, getting some life, uh, life advice from the OG. <laughs> yeah, and so like, I, yeah, I just wasn't sure how to approach it because also he's pretty, he's a big dude. I'm kind of worried about him health wise. He's kind of, kind of overweight. But he's like tall, tall as shit. He, you know, his pictures and everything, I don't know, it seems like he hides it well sometimes, like, you know. But look, that's the thing, but he, but also, he, he, he looks different from his pictures. Like, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, like, it's kind of weird to say this, but he looks like a regular person <laughs> in real life. He doesn't really, look, he doesn't exactly look like a regular person to me when you see him, like, on, on video or something like that. Mm. So it was kind of weird, but I don't know. But it was just kind of funny to me, like, how, you know, all these older white people, you know, they're just, they're sitting, they mind their own business. Even, I mean, even, like, younger white people, they don't know who the fuck he is. <laughs> and, like, cause he was walking around, and he had, like, you know, he was, he, he had, like, you know, he was hogging a whole charging station. He had, like, two phones hooked up, fucking headphones and shit. And he was walking back and forth, you know, people are kind of looking at him, seeing, that, seeing him as like a black man, angry black man on the phone, yelling and arguing and shit. <laughs> and I'm just in my head like, they don't know who the fuck this man is. Like, this is crazy right now. This is prof. <laughs> yeah, I was amazed. I'm, in my head, I'm like, man, this man, he, he fucking teaches at Rice right, right University. He has a, like a worldwide course right now. And five mic album. Yeah, I mean that's what that's what I was thinking too, man. Cause I was like, I was like in my head, I'm like, Leroy, you can't sit here and not say anything to a man who has a fucking five mic album. And I, I just couldn't do it. I, I really felt bad. Like generally, I felt bad for him. He he was really going through something. I think something bad happened. Um, everything. Uh I hope everything is well with him. Did you um, happen to look at his Twitter account or anything? No, I was thinking about doing that, but no, I didn't do it. But, um, damn, man, like, fucking, like, Jay-Z, UGK, Pimp C, Big Pimpin, Five Mike Album, the, um, that, the song with Drake, off, the, off that mixtape with the organs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, um... I was, uh, it's funny, I was, I was just listening to some real old UGK, like, like, I don't know, maybe it was from the 80s or something. And, oh, they were around the 80s? Uh, I believe that's when, like, their first, like, demos and stuff came out, or their first singles and stuff. Mm -hmm. 
But yeah, I mean, he's been around for a long time, and his voice sounds so different. Like, you know, if uh, according to Wikipedia, found it in 1987. Okay. Um, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't recognize him as the Bun B that uh, you know that uh, we know today. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, man, that's that's interesting. I mean, Bun B is one of those guys who uh, is just around sometimes. I think, like you know, a lot of a lot of up and comers seem to have a good relationship with him, and he seems to be open and embracing. I guess when he's not <laughs> in that mode. So, I mean, cool, I, I yeah. Met um, I met him briefly. Uh, it was at Love Nightclub in D.C., and um, I think it was during uh, a Wale's video shoot for... Um, Nike Boots. Yeah, Nike Boots. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Everybody was in the club just having a good time, so it wasn't really an uh, appropriate place either to <laughs> spark up a conversation, even though I was standing next to him for I don't know how long. <laughs> I mean, I mean, well, well, I was, I don't know, obviously he was in a good mood, but I think looking back on the situation, maybe he would have liked, you know, appreciated someone saying, hey, I don't know, maybe he'd gotten it before, but hey, I wanted to ask you uh, something about what you said on on the, your your uh, interview on Warren Epstein. Maybe he would have, because maybe that would have, you know, signaled to him that I'm like a hip hop head, and maybe I'll ask him an intelligent question. Yeah, I mean, because maybe he'll hear this. Hopefully, he does and reaches out, and maybe he can he can call in or something like that and uh, answer it for us. Yeah, hopefully, man. That's a question that I have a lot. Um, you know, especially you know someone like him. It's like some people just seem to have so much going on all the time. It's like, how do you juggle all this and still, you know, you know, he's a man with a family. And, you know, he has, you know, regular people responsibilities. So, <laughs> yeah. like, how how do you juggle all that? Like, how many assistants do you have? And, you know, how do you coordinate having to exist in all these different worlds? Like, you have your different homes. You have your family. You have the university setting. You have the hip-hop setting. And, you know, it must be a monster, especially, you know, if you're a, a big guy like that. And... You know, everybody's getting older and, you know, no things like diet and all of that probably come into play. Like, it must be really difficult. Yeah, I mean, and also, um, what was interesting, too, is that, um, you know, whenever I think of, like, someone like a Bum B, you know, although he's not selling records like he used to exactly, you know, he's still doing all these crazy things. And you would imagine everywhere he goes, he has, like, some type of assistant with him. But um, it seemed like he didn't have anyone. He was just by himself. He had, like, a bag. So, that was interesting. I guess that's just what uh, what works for him. Now I'm thinking about Bun B. I'm thinking about that first album, Trill. Like, that was my joint. And then the Trill OG, I really messed with that, too. Like, you know, Trill OG is the five mic one, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a five mic one. And a lot of people were like, you know, it wasn't that good to get five mics and why are they doing this and all of that. But from what I remember, that whole album was banging start to finish. 
You know, whether or not it's, you know, classic status, you know, people don't really talk about it anymore or anything like that. And real talk, I probably can't remember <laughs> a lot of songs off of it, but I do remember playing it uh, a decent number of times and thoroughly enjoying it, so maybe I'll come back to it. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking about it too. Um, well, see, this is the thing. Like, um, I, uh, I remember the first time I listened to. Yeah, I guess it had to be true. Maybe it was true. I'm not sure. Um, I know it had like Cool and Dre all over it, though. I think. Um, I was um in the car with uh with um the Geeks Anthem. Oh. Um, and, you know, that's when he had, like, like the, the, uh, the blue car. Yeah. And he was riding around for it, and it was, um, it was some song, you know, that it was, it was pretty ill, and so it kind of got me more interested in Bun B, and then I think that's when, like, the Drake thing came up, and eventually that song kind of grew on me, but it really wasn't even Drake, it was Bun B's verse, because he, he kind of killed it. Yeah. I mean, you can't sleep on Bun B, like, he goes in on a, on a, on a lot of records. Like, I mean, yeah, he really does. I think the first, the first Bun B drown I was really banging with was uh, a song off a of trill. Um, Keep on pushing with the sample in it. Mm-hmm. I think Jeezy might have been on that one. I'm not sure that one. And he had the one with Ludacris trill, recognized trill. That joint was ill. And um, that was just a dope record. And then on the second album on Two Trill. I never listened to Two Trill like that, but I do remember the song you had with Lupe Fiasco. That was dope. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I guess, well, I guess to uh, to bring everything full, full circle and like the small conversation we had um, earlier today about to be coming. You know, he was on Purple Rain. He was on Purple Rain. Yeah, I think uh, that's about. Um, I think this is track number six. Yeah, man, man, become of a dope album. Um, March 29th, um, in addition to being my birthday, it's the, uh, this year, the 10th anniversary of Beanie Siegel's The Becoming, um, which is a highly slept on, but I think that deserves to be a five-night album. I think the song I always come back to from the album, I think it's number two. I think it's number two on there. It can't go on this way oh, with uh, Young Fish and Freeway. I don't know. I mean, I think I'm going to be a, uh, I'm going to sound like a, uh, a commie or a commercial person or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I don't know. I still go back to, I mean, well, actually it's between Purple Rain and, um, and Feel It in the Air. Because I, I remember the first time I heard Feel It, Feel it in the Air, man. Mm. And, um, it was, you know, usually when I first hear like certain things, like in that time, it was always on a music video, but, I was on the back of the bus coming from, I think, uh, I was about to go into my dome and coming from my dome and going somewhere, I don't know. Um, and I just heard, you know, I was listening to, uh, I think, I think I was listening to, uh, to, to uh, RZA. I think uh, Digital Bullet. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe it was track, uh, I think it was the Roomba. And I heard, I heard the, uh, the saxophone, and you know, some sometimes when you have like different, you switch up like your headphones, you can hear like different different things in a song. Yeah. 
So in my head, I'm like, oh my god! I said, true magic put fucking saxophones in it, and it sounds, it sounds, it goes with it for some type of weird reason. And then I said, no, it can't be. So I, I, I take my headphones out, I look out the window, and this dude is bumping that shit. And I said, that's fucking Beanie Siegel. And the guy, and the guy, he looks up to me, and he just starts nodding his head harder, like, yeah, yeah, nigga, this is that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta find that shit. So I go when I go back home. I turn on MTV Jams, whatever it was, and I just wait. Cause I said, "Look, I said it's a nigga song. It's gonna be on MTV Jams." And it comes up, and Method Man's in the video, of course. I'm like, "Oh shit, I gotta, I gotta get this shit." I was soon as I go to my dorm, I go straight to the bootleg man and get that. And it was history from there. <laughs> It was, man. Like, yeah, I'm really sad that it's one of those albums that I don't go back to enough, but I always talk about it. I think it's it's, it's the same thing with um with with Memphis Bleak too. I feel like I don't go back to him like I used to anymore. I feel kind of bad for it. Yeah, Memphis Bleak, he's uh definitely slept on. You know, I guess always having to be in Jay's shadow and then being in Beanie's uh, shadow too. I think one of the dopest records that, that they all. Did together with that song Hypnotic. I can't think. Was that Memphis oh, Bleak's second album? I see, yeah, I think I, I think that was on me, wasn't it? I think. I, I'm not sure. I don't think it was on me because I remember bumping the mess out of me and I came across Hypnotic later on because Maid was the one that had to join with MOP, right? Yeah, and they had to join um, with the South dudes. Okay, well, it it, it can't be five, three, four because I, I think that's a bit too late. Oh, you know what it might have been? Yeah, maybe I'm thinking about 534. Man, 534 has to join something too, man. Shit. Yeah, I mean... It is summer? See, that's... Now you're getting into something, dear, son. God, man. I mean, but that was a Jay-Z song. I mean, it was, but I mean... Man, yo, this is the thing with Memphis Bleak. I wonder how much money they technically wasted on on promoting this man because he always had an all star cast like the um, I, what was it? What was it called? The coming or the the something? Before oh, 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 yeah, was it coming to age? You know, that was his first one. Um, I think it was like the second one, the one that had um, is that your chick with Missy Elliott and um, oh, yeah. someone else? He would always have an all-star studded cast on his singles, videos all decked out. Jay Z usually makes some type of crazy cameo appearance for appearance for whatever, for whatever reason, and this nigga still can't go platinum to save his life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you know, all his albums went gold. That's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, I mean, well, yeah, well, five, three, four didn't. Oh. Uh, or maybe some, I don't know, maybe some single went gold or platinum or something like that. I like Memphis Bleak. Um, you know, you know, I definitely have respect for him because um, he's kind of like DMX in a way to where uh, he can make a early whack-ass Swiss beat sound good. <laughs> <laughs> Like, yo, Swiss Beats was making some, and, you know, Swiss Beats even admitted it, like, yo, those beats they used to be making back in the day were horrible. 
And, yeah, um, I listened to the Combat Jack with uh, the dude. What's his name? The Rock, Rod- the Rock Riders dude. I can't think of his oh, name. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think it was uh, Why. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he said that, you know, he even said Swiss didn't know what the fuck he was doing. But he said for some reason there was something about the Rock Riders anthem. <laughs> and DMX didn't even want to do that song, and that bit ended up being the one that popped off. Yeah, that's crazy. And did he do it in Maryland, too, I think? Yeah, I know he recorded uh, most of that album in Baltimore. And I remember um, I remember his MySpace page used to say, Yonkers in Baltimore. And, yeah, I remember that, too, yeah. And his book, um, his book, he went into depth about Baltimore and how uh, it's just some pretty bad things. <laughs> oh, man, oh, man, speaking of that, man. Um, yeah, I, I, I told you I got the, uh, the Busy Bone book. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I started reading it on a plane. Like, I'm, I'm like, I'm really at the, I'm down there at, like, the very beginning, but, um, it's a quote that I, I gotta read for the listeners, man. This is crazy. In the introduction, hold on, I gotta find it real quick. Okay. Um, because... <laughs> Hold on, wait. Please tell me. Hold on, hold on. Please, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Okay. <clears throat> this is pretty much the life of Busy Bone. <clears throat> and this is it. This is like a, this is pretty much a quote for the most part, but it's in the introduction by the uh, the two people who wrote the book. Uh-huh. When I was around seven years old. I remember someone told me that they were going to show me how to pimp these holes, Busy recall. But I told them that I was going to be a singer. What <laughs> 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 the fuck? <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, is this Busy Bone inside a busy mind? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um... But yeah, um, and you know when he, I didn't know he was kidnapped. He was on, he was found on on an Oklahoma reservation. Oh yeah, I do remember hearing that story. Man, I get the fuck out of here, man. <laughs> it's crazier and crazier, man. Like I didn't stop reading this shit. I'm like, what? Man, it's all kind, of, man. It's all kind of crazy stuff going down in Oklahoma. Um, uh, there's some senator who's talking about, you know, basically global warming doesn't exist because of the Bible, and uh, he has all these Bible passages that prove that um, there's no climate change. Hmm. Man, fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, the Bible told him so. Hmm. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, Speaking of Bible, um, you know how sometimes we talk about, you know, we wonder what people are doing and stuff like that. Yeah, um, I uh, um, I have a recent killer priest sighting. <laughs> oh wow! Um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the Amin Ra squad. But yeah, I'm you know. Oh uh, yeah, I have. Um, I subscribe to the podcast. I just haven't listened yet. Okay, yeah, so they did a debate um, with the black Hebrew Israelites or whatever, and, you know, they're all about Nile Valley, African consciousness, all that good stuff. 
And so they had this big debate at the uh, Alhambra Ballroom in Harlem. And um, during uh, one of the breaks for the debate, Killer Priest pops out and spits a acapella. <laughs> oh, man. And uh, it was dope. And uh, I think Loaded Lux performed as well there. What the fuck? Where did he come from? <laughs> huh? Oh, Pop It wasn't Harlem, so I guess that makes sense. Yeah, and you know, um, I, I do remember, I think it was in a battle. It might have been a battle against uh, Hollow the Dawn, um, where he said something about, you know, you studying the knowledge from Brother Polite. And uh, Paul, he's not with the Armin Ross squad, but he was debating, you know, on that side during that whole thing. So maybe I got through that type of affiliation. Oh, and they were talking about how it's interesting, um, you know, the uh, the uh, connection that's happening, I guess, again, between hip-hop and black consciousness and how, you know, it's getting back into hip-hop. And um, one of the guys, um, I don't know if you remember Casual from... Um, uh, hieroglyphics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he wrote a book, um, the, uh, which I've been meaning to get, um, the handbook to uh, the Black Consciousness Community or something like that. No, and, uh, I've heard of that. No. Yeah, like he's been doing his research and everything. Like he's pretty much, uh, I think he's put his rap career on the back burner, and he's been doing research and learning how to read hieroglyphics and the Medu Nasser and really getting into some things. And um, after the debate, it was interesting, Planet Asia called and was talking about this and, um, you know, basically how everything's coming full circle back to the consciousness and it's becoming cool again. <laughs> oh, well. Um, shit. Um, the fuck was I going to say? Well, well yeah, well, um, kill it. Oh, okay, so um, Combat Jet. Um, when, alright, so yeah, the, the Bumby episode with the, uh, with, with the professor. Um, they were talking about the things that they incorporate in their, uh, in their class. And, um, I believe, I think it was the, uh, the professor, he said that they also incorporate, um, decoded in there. And so I'm assuming by, by decoded, they mean hip hop decoded by Black Dot? No, no, I think they're talking about Jay Z. Oh, okay. You know, I, I still, I still have yet to read that book. I thought it was great once you get past the corny introduction. Well, and that's the thing. I read it. I was trying to read the introduction. I said, "Man, fuck this shit, man." Yeah, <laughs> I almost did, but once he starts getting into the songs and everything, it's a lot better. But yeah, the, I mean, introduction was was just like. It's like a We Are The World record. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I'm also thinking that, I think with me at least, when it comes to these hip-hop books, I got to have them in my hand. I can't try to read them off the screen. Mm. So I'm thinking I'll probably just double back. and I'm sure it's probably like a dollar on Amazon anyway nowadays. Yeah. Although this uh, this Busy Bone, I think the Busy Bone book was about $12. Um, straight from the publisher, but for some reason you buy from someone else, it's like $25, $30. Mm, that's a crazy markup. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. What, I mean, I'm pretty sure they probably didn't make it as, that much, you know, that that many of them. Yeah, only about for the half people. <laughs> <laughs> and we need to start a, a, a hip hop book library. 
Tell you about book what? Uh, library. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, I think we do um, because uh, I, I do want to go back and get decoded. Um, I think my brother pretty much, he, he, I, I guess he really feels like he owns the Wu-Tang manual, which I bought. And I was with you when I bought it in Towson Mall. <laughs> yeah. Um... I got it. What's funny is I bought I bought both of Riz's books and I ended up giving them to people. <laughs> oh damn! Well, shout out to Dow Wu. Um, DMX. I, I never even read. I never even. I think I touched it once. DMX biography. Um, I think uh, who um, who is it? I think someone someone's working. You know what? You know what? Uh, um, Trick Daddy's book that no one ever talks about. I didn't even know about that. Yeah, he came over with a book like almost two years ago now. Mm. Um, and I don't, I don't really know what that really say. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's some corny shit. You never know the little tidbits could be in there. Maybe something about Rick Ross in there, or something like that that we that we need to know. Yeah, and you know, Trick mm. Daddy. It's interesting. Um, another podcast I listen to. Um, it's called uh, In the Conversation. And it's uh, with comedian Dam- uh, Damian Lemon, or well, comedians uh, Damian Lemon. Um, what's the other dude's name? I can't forget his name. Oh, man, I can't remember his name right now. Um, he's a Hispanic guy. He's a comedian as well. And then there's this guy named Ali Muhammad, who is a, okay. um, who's a videographer. And um, Ali Muhammad, he's from Miami, and he he's always talking about how, like, you know, the culture down there is different. And... You know, Trick Daddy was basically like, you know, he's like the the trick trick of Miami, and you know, he's like running stuff down there, and that's like their classic. I guess maybe he's like their Tupac. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can't find. I did used to like those Trick Trick singles. <laughs> I mean, I oh, no. uh, Trick Daddy singles, uh, you know, Trick Letter Kids, and all that. I mean, yeah, I guess he was, he was interesting, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, when I think of Miami, though, I always think about Pitbull and how he made that that three that that random switch from his first <laughs> album to shit that he's doing now. Oh yeah, that three or five album. He's a dope rapper. People don't know. I mean, but like the, the way he like, I think it's one of the best ways someone's ever started off an album, and I don't know how long. The fucking intro, you remember that shit? I don't remember it. He, like, it's Lil John, like, yeah, nigga, it's, it's, it's boy, what, what are we talking about? And then he comes on, I think, this hard ass beat, I think Lil, Lil John even made, it wasn't like, it wasn't crunked out. And Pitbull just goes on and just spitting and spitting these crazy ass bars for like fucking three minutes. Mm. Can't sleep on Pitbull, man. It's funny as, um, Oh, so, um, this is what I meant to talk about. Earl Sweatshirt's album came out. Where do you have to listen to it? I listened to, uh, I listened to a great, probably about half of it, and that thing is dope. And, um, there's one record that he has where he's talking about doing a remix, uh, featuring, and, like, he says it on the song, he wants to do a remix with Pitbull and MF Doom. Hmm. And I was listening to, uh, I haven't gotten through this interview, but I was listening to his uh, interview on uh, NPR Soundcheck. Oh, yeah, I, I was going to mention that. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he said that he got the MF Doom verse and he's waiting on Pitbull now. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I, uh, I stopped listening to it because, like, the way it starts off, 
I don't really know what the fuck they're talking about. And so I just wasn't interested. When he, uh, he goes like with the label and the video or something like that. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I kind of had to, you know, piece that together because, you know, I, I'm not necessarily following him like that. But when I saw the title of the album, I just had to listen to it. I mean, so, like, so because I, I was trying to do some research as, I was, as they were going along, but I know that um, Tyler said something that he's not sure if Earl Sweatshirt is without a future or something like that, or he doesn't know where his mind is. Hmm. I think I think Earl Sweatshirt's beef was with well I don't know I think his thing was more with with Sony, um, and about the release of the trailer to his um, album and everything. So I don't know if um, he has some other issues with uh, with um, Odd Future. Now I'm looking at it now. It doesn't look like he has any Odd Future features on here. Well, I don't know so many people in Odd uh, Future. Yeah, no. I mean, well, well, I I know that when he came when he came back out, you know, he went to Sony and got his own deal, and he didn't do anything through Art Fusion and what they're doing. Hmm. Um, and you know, I was kind of thinking. I mean, I, in my head, I'm like, it's kind of smart, but then it's kind of like I don't know what to think about it because if you if you kind of think about it, the reason why Earl Sweatshirt was popping was because of the fact they kept repping Earl. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, but it's, I think it's kind of good, though, because, like, his voice sounds just like Tyler. Like, even though his rapping style is different, I guess, especially as he gets older, it's, like, he sounds like Tyler the Creator. I mean, yeah, but, I mean, yeah, but, I mean, but I think his, his, his lyrics are so different because if you go back to, if you compare, um, what, what's Tyler's first album? I can't think of the name of it. Uh, Bastard. Yeah, but you know that's that's a good ass album actually. Yeah, I did like it. Um, I never, I I still have yet to listen to Lincoln. I never listened to Earl to Earl's um debut album, but um, but his yeah. first one, the mixtape or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, it's totally different. You can even see, although I mean, the shit is kind of juvenile. Now you can you can even tell the his lyrical capabilities compared to Tyler and anyone else in the crew. And they and, and they all knew that, too. You can tell. Yeah. And they kept repping fucking Earl. And technically, Earl Sweatshirt kind of got on. He rode the wave of Tyler, the creator, because Tyler, the creator, had, had that crazy-ass wave. And, and while on, he kept saying, fuck two dope boys, and where the fuck is Earl? <laughs> <laughs> That's true, and then, uh, you know, from what I can tell, Earl doesn't ever really mention Tyler, and that's his brother. <laughs> like, yeah. in that interview, he just goes on and on and on about his mother, but I'm like, y'all come from the same mother, so where does your brother come in? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I don't know what to say about that. I mean, well, I mean, maybe it's just a professional thing, and maybe, you know, they personally, they, you know, they talk. Yeah, I wonder if, um, and plus, you know, Tyler always says all kind of wild stuff on Twitter, so, but, um, I wonder, I've been meaning to watch Loiter Squad, I never listened, I, I, I watched it, but, um, I'm wondering if, uh, <laughs> I'm wondering if Earl has any type of, uh, involvement in that. You know, I, I, I think when he came back, I think he, I think he was on it, I think, mm. um, 
I'm assuming it still comes on. Yeah, I don't know. Our features, uh, initial buzz and fascination about them seems to have uh, dwindled, but I guess they got enough of a core fan base so that they can keep going, so. I mean, shit, I imagine, man. I mean, they, the fucking Howard the Creator, he, I think he did more albums in his first week, more albums in his first week on his second album than he did on his first one. Yeah. Um, because, uh, they, I think he's, they're through XL, I think, I believe. Oh, uh, I thought, I thought they would do Sony Red. Maybe he's through XL and the rest of them are through Sony Red. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so something like that. Who knows? Um, yeah. But you know, you know, speaking of books, another book that um, I've never read is Prodigy's book. Come think about it. I've never read it either. And I've been looking for a copy, and you know what? I was thinking about getting. Uh, I've never like really listened to an audio book before. But I'm thinking about getting that particular one on audio book. Because <laughs> he does it, he does it himself. <laughs> yeah, and. Yeah, but I don't know. It's like uh, that book. It just seems very, uh, as Dame Dash would put it, chatty patty. <laughs> <laughs> Did you uh, watch that Dame Dash interview? Put on combat jet. Nah, 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 nah. With the Breakfast Club. Nah, I never got around doing it. I mean, because I, I have some like I have some shit like say to my YouTube. I still have yet to listen to, to the uh, listen to the um, the Rizzo one. That was kind of recent. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. You know what else I forgot about? I forgot about that Wu-Tang album. The only reason why it came back into my memory is because Raekwon said something about it being boring. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Wu-Tang did try the album. I did burn it to a CD and uh, drive around to it for a couple of days. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's like only one flash of brilliance on that album, and it's the one that's like kind of weird. Song. Um, it's the one with, the, with like the heavy Kung Fu samples on it. I'm not sure if that's it. It has, it has Master Killer and RZA as the like, primary vocalist on it. Let me see. A Better Tomorrow, Wu-Tang Clan, A Better Tomorrow. Nicholas was probably the only other flash of brilliance on that album. Major blogs, like not writing shit. Um, I don't like it. <laughs> See, 
it's like it's, yeah, it's like it's literally about a Mexican girl from what I can recall. <laughs> and you said it was Scissor? No, 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 Jizza. Oh, Jizza. Oh yeah, I do remember that. I didn't even listen to it. Um Was it because of the title? I think I've, I, like, I kept meaning to, but, you know, he just sounds so old now. It's just like, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I saw that he performed it on some, um, yeah, they on, yeah, on, uh, uh, what's his name, the, the, the guy who loves with the roots. Oh, Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, Fallon, yeah, yeah. Man, see, he got, he got like a crazy buzz if he can just come out of nowhere on like, some shit like that and do that. Yeah, like, and like, you know, what are you really promoting? Like, he, he just come out of nowhere, like, oh yeah, here's a song I did. Yeah, I wonder if on Space Ghost Purpose is going to have some beats on there. You said Space Ghost? Yeah, um, yeah, remember, like, it was like something that Jesus said that um he wanted to get some beats from Space Ghost Perp. Oh, that would be interesting. Uh, it would, but, um, have you listened to, like, a lot of Space Ghost Perk? Not a lot. Okay, well, by any chance, have you listened to 50, 50 Blunts of Perk? <laughs> nah, I didn't listen to that. <laughs> okay, well, it's pretty much, like, a, a, it's a collection of, like, all of his, uh, a collection, I guess, of some of his best songs that he thinks that they are his best songs that he came up with it. Mm. Um, and I mean, it has like a, it has like a, a, you know, I mean, it's pretty much like the, you know, the, the Space Coast Purp sound, you know, the 808s, the crazy type of the sounds, whatever like that, the, the overpaid shit, and just the lo-fi shit just sounds horrible. Um, but he has this one song that he samples, Portishead. Um, I think. Okay, you, you know um, the Black Widow from um, Bobby Digital Stereo, yeah, with the uh, ODB. I mm. think that's the I think it's the same sample that Inspector Death used to make to make that beat. And um, it's like well, it's like it's the East Coast beat, and it, does, it has different drums. It doesn't have like 808. It has like SB type of drums or some shit like that. Mm. And so you can obviously tell that he does he does know his 90s shit. And I'll give it to him. Sounded like a straight nineties beat to me. So I wonder if he does do something with Jesus' album, is it gonna be something like that? Or is it gonna be some some updated type shit? Kind of like how Pro Tool how um Pro Tools was to a certain extent at least. Yeah. I wonder what Jizz is gonna be rapping about. <laughs> no science. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm thinking, like or if he's gonna have any features from Neil deGrasse Tyson and Bill Nye. <laughs> I mean, he has to keep up. I mean, while he's doing it, now see he has that uh, song with J. Cole that came up. Yeah, his uh, his album actually um, just leaked. I just saw it. Yeah, I heard. Oh, well, speaking of albums, um, since you told me that you, that you were going to um, listen to it for the for this episode, um, I listened to uh, Ashton Bronson while I was in Starbucks. Ah, uh, yeah, that's right. I did listen to the album. Uh, what did you think of that? Okay, well, you know, I really haven't deeply... Oh, I've really only listened to Action Bronson, you know, through features for the most part. Um, and, you know, I guess 
it was, I was surprised that it was better than what I thought it would be. Um, but I would say, like, the best songs on there pretty much were the ones that Alchemist did. Yeah, I think, um, I like his mixtape with, with Alchemist way better. Yes, like, he was. Uh-huh. I, the thing, what I don't like that white rappers tend to do, um, is, you know, no matter how grimy they are and all this other type of stuff or how, how much they can really rap and all this other type of stuff, mm-hmm. like, when things, when they get to a major and then things don't necessarily seem to be working, they play up their whiteness and just gravitate to that. And, like, they just get super white. Um, and I saw that with Action Bronze's album, you know, he was talking about how he was experimenting musically and all sorts of type of stuff and, you know, by singing on songs and, you know, he had all the classic rock, which, you know, you know, um, I'm sure is a great influence to him and all that, but, um, it didn't sound like anything that I was expecting, like, and that it's not necessarily a good thing all the time. I mean, sometimes you want to be surprised, but sometimes you want, I don't know, like, if this was your first time listening to Action Bronson, I, I think you need to go back and listen to some other stuff. And, like, another person who's, who does that is uh, Yellow Wolf. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was thinking about that one. Yeah, yeah, like, he dropped this new single, and I can't front, it's dope. Like, it's like some country music type stuff, and he's singing on pretty much the whole thing, and then on one of his singing verses, he kind of just stops singing and drops some bars real quick. Um, but it's very, uh, I guess you would call it Americana. <laughs> um, and it's even called, what's it called? It's called, uh, it's called American You. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's dope. But it's like, I can see Yellow Wolf not being a rapper anymore at, at some point. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like how Kid Rock um, isn't a rapper anymore at all, or Everlast. Yeah, yeah, I was going to, I was going to bring Everlast up, um, because, you know, sometimes, because, uh, like, when I was, I was listening to the album, the first three to four, I think three or four songs, you know, I was like, damn, this is, like, actually pretty good. And um, usually what I do is, like, if I'm, like, really enticed with an album, and this is probably something I shouldn't do, I uh, I, t- I look at the track list to see how many songs, you know, is on the album. And and if it's, like, past, if it's past, like, 13, I'm like, uh, it's something about, like, it's, I, I just had this thing about an album shouldn't be past 13 tracks because that's when it just starts to get kind of crazy. But then, but then also, I mean, it kind of depends on how you go about doing it. I mean, like you know, if you go to um to the, to the uh, the Mad Villain album, mm-hmm. it's like twenty three tracks, but like almost every track is like you know under two minutes for the most part. Although, I mean, about, like, I agree with what you're saying because you know you look at it, like I look at Nas, Illmatic, I look at Commons, B, and uh, Finer Forever. Um, just you know, a lot of dope albums don't have a lot of tracks. But then you have Get Rich or Die Trying, and you have you know that whole run of all of those dope 
I guess early 2000s type albums that had mad tracks on them, but they were kind of banging all the way through. Like, I guess, I guess Interscope rappers <laughs> tend to have longer albums, because like Eminem's albums would be mad long, like he likes to fill it to the last minute. Um, who else? Uh, even Kendrick, his albums would be mad long. Yeah, well, and well, well see, you, well, you, you said you did Richard Dodge run, Eminem, and Kendrick, and you know I have problems with each and every one of these people. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I was going to also bring up, you know, Dr. Dre, um, even Dr. Dre's old albums. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like, they, <laughs> maybe, you know um, what? Uh, oh, go ahead. Okay, so, you know, like, one album, like, it's a, I have a weird relationship with this album, and it's, um, it's EPMD's, uh, Strictly Business, that was, that's the first one, I think. Mm. And I think the album's only, like, ten songs, but the songs are so long, but the, the beats are ill, the lyrics are ill, but each song just goes on for, like, five minutes. <laughs> And it just it just kind of bugs me out, and so I don't I don't know what to say about the album sometimes. Mm. I don't really know. I'm being honest. I've never listened to an EPMD album. No damn. Well, I mean, you know, I will say that EPMD they're one of those people, one of those groups that they don't really get that just do, but they I think they if you want to like be technical. In the top, I guess, well, I would say the top ten to be safe. In the top ten, you probably got to say EPMD has to be within the top ten of, like, the most influential people in hip-hop. Yeah, because people are always mentioning them. And yeah, I've been like, meaning to go and listen to them, but I just I just haven't gotten around to it. I think the one song that I can, I can think of when I think of EPMD is that joint they did with M.O.P., and they had the remix. I think it had like Lady Luck or Remy Ma, or somebody on there. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, that was like '96, right? Or '90? Uh, I think it was later. '98. Something like that. I think it was after Annie Up or around that same time. So it might have been oh. in the 2000s. Okay. Um. Well, I mean. You, well, you know, like, well, you know, like, Wu-Tang pretty much based, like, the, the whole blueprint on APMD and how they did that shit. Mm. You know, they, I mean, you had Dots of Flex, Red Man, that came out that type of camp, and all all, all, those other, all those other type of people that, I guess, probably didn't pop up. Um, and, you know, when I listened to the um, interview they had with that one, the one Epstein with Eric Sermon, mm. and, um... You know, it was, it was an interesting, it was interesting because Eric Sermon was always like one of those people that I always kind of think about, like kind of like on the lines of Omega, um, you know, like how they survive. <laughs> and apparently, Eric Sermon, I guess it's definitely very, pretty rich from his production and like the people that sent with EPMD. And, um, he said like the, the Mario, the Mario Wannon song, that the only song that Mario Winans is known for, mm-hmm. um, I can't think of I can't think of the way it goes, but um, the the drums, um, those are the, that that's from the EPMD cut, mm. and um, 
and 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 I think you know even like you know it kind of put in perspective um, like the thing that Rosenberg said to him about about like the, about that drum sample and how he gets money off of it kind of puts it into perspective with this whole thing about um the Mar- the Marvin Gaye thing and the Robin Thicke song. Oh yeah. Um, you know because because I mean I think that um Rosenberg made a good point because you know. They, um, because for the most part, EPMB albums, production-wise, they never really used, um, they never really chopped ch- uh, drums, um, or even, like, did drum loops off of, off of certain breaks. They usually made their own drums, and they did it off of, off of a Lynn drum, usually. And, um, Rosenberg, and that's what I thought, and so Rosenberg said, well, you know, well, you're using a Lynn drum, so how the fuck can you get money off of that? And, you know, he did say, though, because you can't really get money off the pattern for the most part because, you know, there's only so many patterns you can really do. And technically, like, you know, the sampling, you get, you know, um, you can get money off the melody pretty much for the most part. Um, and Eric Sermon said, well, it's all in how you EQ it, too. So this nigga's getting paid pretty much off of the EQing of the drums. Since he pretty much takes the drums and just throws them on the track. And I'm like, what the fuck? So that shit was kind of crazy. Like the fuck, the way he used the fucking drums. That's how he's getting paid off that month, off that song. Crazy. He must have had. Uh, he must have had some dope lawyers come up with that one. I mean, that's what I'm thinking too. I mean, because uh, I mean, I think he had like two, three houses, and you know, I'm assuming he doesn't really. Uh, in so many words, he doesn't have to work anymore, from what I'm understanding. And he he gets paid off of uh, off of um, uh, the music joint, the Marvin Gaye joint too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking that too. That just uh, that was a big song for a long time. Yeah, I love that song, man. Yeah. It, it was so random though. Of all, of all people, <laughs> <laughs> crazy. Um, but yeah, man. Um, the Ashton Bronson joint. I mean, yeah, like first four songs were cool, but then at the middle. That's when um, people start singing, and uh, his, his producer party supplies. I think he started singing too, and I didn't know what the fuck. I didn't know where the, where the album was going. And then toward the end, he starts rapping again, and I think it picks it back up with another Alchemist track, um, "Galactic Love." That's a pretty old joint, actually, to me. Yeah. Um, and actually, the the way he ends it, I, I like that song too. But um. It does have like a real rock feel to it, and I did kind of get that kind of whiteness type thing. Um, because, cause, you know, I think we all know that, you know, black rappers, they tend to use, you know, those the type of like rock 80s arena rock type samples, you know, look at Joe Button and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, but it, so I guess it's all in a different way, because I, I guess because they, they really sample it. They, just, they they pretty much use like the same sample and leave it at that. But it seemed like Ashley Bronson has some actual shit going on with keyboards and uh, and guitars and shit from other people to add on to to it to make it really rocky, kind of sort of. Yeah, and it seemed, I don't know. It just to me, it didn't seem like his sound. Yeah. Like, and then on some of the joints, like some of the bars that he was spitting, it just didn't really fit. Like you know, the bars were dope. But he said some funny, you know, stuff in there. But it didn't, it it didn't fit on the beats to me sometimes. And it was, it wasn't dark. It wasn't 
like, I mean, you know, a lot of his music isn't real dark or anything like that, but I don't know. It wasn't. And, you know, he, he kind of touched on this in his Breakfast Club interview um, about the album not necessarily being boom bappy. But, you know, I think uh, I think he should have boom bapped it up a little bit more. You see, like, this is what I, I don't understand about, um, this is weird to me, like, how, like, how blog rappers are, like, are getting on and, and they're getting these record deals. But the thing is, though, you know, nowadays, it seems, you know, it seems like record labels, they're really just getting people who strictly nowadays based on their, on their fan base. Yeah. And to a certain extent, they don't exactly expect you to really break out of the mold and, and and do some crazy ass numbers. I'm pretty sure they don't expect Action Bronson to really go gold for real. Yeah, I doubt it. Um, and so the thing is, though, you would think that if someone like him is do is getting like a major label deal, that they would just want him to do what he does and call it a day, and you know, do what two hundred fifty, three hundred thousand, call it a day, and make a little money off of it. Because you know he's obviously he's not a he's not a fucking um he's not like a, a commercial rapper for the most part, and that's the same thing with like Big Crit because I, I don't understand what they were trying to do with him when he had he had his first album and he uh he was on one he was on one hundred six in part why was he on one hundred six in part Big Crit he didn't, look, he didn't he didn't look like he belonged there like. <laughs> Yes, like, I mean, why am I here right now? That's like little brother being on one of the fifth park. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, I don't, I just don't understand this shit. I mean, the the only person, the only I guess blog rapper who, well, I, I guess well recently, if you want to call it that, who, who's gotten a pass like that has been Childish Gambino because obviously he has kind of broken the mold, but then he kind of really hasn't because I, I don't know, I don't know what to say about that dude. Sometimes I don't really understand it. <laughs> I mean, he's new black. <laughs> I guess, man. But um, I mean, but I mean, I don't know. It, it, it's weird, man. I mean, and uh, who, who else? Um, I mean, it, I got the blog, uh, the uh, sacrificial lamb. One of them, of blog rappers, is uh, Wale. Well, I, well, see, I, I think Wiley is a bit different, though, because I, I think he, he has proved that he can do, you know, he, he's more flexible compared to an Action Bronson. Yeah. But he, see, he, Bronson, his marketing is so dope. Like, this what he's doing with the food, and it's going to get picked up by a network. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, he, he was coming with a cooking show. And, like, oh. um, he had uh, three top chefs create recipes based off his album. Oh, well. So, you know, he's, uh, you know, he, I I think he kind of has to switch up his music a little bit and make it a little bit more commercially appealing so that he can um, continue to reach these audiences that he's uh, getting in that way. So, I don't know. Um, I don't know what to say about that, dude. I mean, because, I mean, the, if you think about the Food Network, I mean, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, I'm, I'm assuming that the demographic of people who watch the Food Network is so varied that I don't think it will, it will matter that much. Yeah. 
That's true, yeah. But I don't know. I can see him crossing over mainstream a little bit somehow. I guess, and oh man, it's kind of weird that I'm making this uh, comparison, but (laughs) I guess kind of like in a Ghostface kind of way, you know? Like, I mean, Ghostface is, uh, he's kind of known in the culture, but not all the time necessarily just for rap, but just because he is who he is. Mm-hmm. Like, he's the guy with the bird on the arm. You know, he uh, had that whole series where he was dropping his wisdom on MTV. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I guess I can. Okay, I can well, like see you know, I guess you know when people, I, 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 I guess it's weird because Action Bronson is, is uh, branching off into other areas, which really kind of isn't because he was a chef first. And um, you yeah. know the story about how he started rapping. Well, I just know he was a chef and he somehow picked up rap. I don't know the the, the detail yeah, exactly. Um, he had a he had an injury in the kitchen. Apparently, you know, being a chef is a pretty dangerous job. <laughs> and, um, he slipped and broke his leg or something like that, and he was in the hospital and he was real bored. So he started, you know, just rapping. <laughs> well, I think maybe he was like toying with it and stuff before, but. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he kind of took it more serious. All right, so Action Bronson, I'm looking at the sales numbers. Oh, from Hip Hop DX? Yeah, so they're thinking that he's going to do forty to 45000 in Earl Sweatshirt, twenty-eight to 35000 which That's I guess good. when you're not doing very much promo, if... And, you know, very much, oh, very much expensive promo, I should say. You know, you probably get a pretty good return on that. I mean, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty low for old, for old sweatshirt. I mean, I, for real, at this point, I would expect him to do like sixty to sixty to eighty thousand. I mean, you gotta understand, nobody, nobody knows who he is unless you one really listen to music, and then two are really into that type of thing. <laughs> I mean, like, Ooh. his album, that joint. And I guess, you know, a lot of the uh, uh, future type dudes, the albums aren't really, like, mixed down. <laughs> yes, well. Like, I don't know, 60,000? That's a lot of people. Hold on, wait, I mean, but, I mean, but, um, Tyler, Tyler the Creator, he, he does those type of numbers. I mean, he had a single with Pharrell. I mean, but he did he did those type of numbers before the single the single with Pharrell. That's true. But um, it seemed like he had more more press. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, well, see, I I think it just, I think it's because he rolled the wave of the idea of our future, and he just happened to be the, he happened to be the, the leader of it. Yeah. If you think about it, no one ever even cares about all these other people. I mean, because I don't, I've never really listened to Left Brain and all the, the internet and shit like that. Well, I, I like the internet. Um, but they're not rap. You know, they're like a EDM type of thing that they have going on, like some type of alternative type stuff. And then, of course, there's Frank Ocean. 
Oh, so he's he's still affiliated with him? I'm assuming so. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, however that happened, who knows? It, it, it's weird with all these kids, these young kids and their, uh, <laughs> their groups and, and 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 things that they do. But they, yeah. I mean, one thing I will say is they're tearing it down every festival season. I mean, I think they did it big at South by Southwest, and they'll probably continue, you know, throughout this summer. I'm sure, I mean, well, I know that um, Earl Sweatshirt, he was at South by Southwest, too, right? So I wonder, yeah. if, I, wonder if, yeah, I wonder if he was on stage with them or they were on stage with him or something. Yeah, I, I, I can't imagine that they would all be down there and he wouldn't be, so. Um, yeah, I'm sure he probably would have heard about it by now. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny, though, like, listening to... um. I don't know, like, you know, like how Corey Guns and, like, Saigon and shit are, like, on Love Me Hip Hop and shit like that. Yeah. You know, I, and sometimes I just sit down, I'm just thinking, like, all these people, I mean, I guess it's the same thing with, like, Bun B. Like, they don't know who the fuck these people even are. Yo, I just had this conversation with my girl, like, <laughs> she was saying something about Benzino. She asked me, she asked me, do I know who Benzino is? <laughs> oh, well. And I'm like, what? Do you know who Benzino is? <laughs> and so she's like, yeah, from Love and Hip Hop. I'm like, he's on Love and Hip Hop? And I'm like, y- you know, yeah. So I had to explain to her, I was like, you ever heard of the Source magazine? Yeah, he uh, started that. You ever see Hip Hop Weekly in the stores? He started that too. You know, he's a producer. You know, he did that song, I See Booty. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling her about how you had the um, you had the Benzino tape, and I was listening to it, and um, that drink was actually dope. <laughs> no, but see, but I mean, did, did you go deeper? Did you, did you go deeper into the tape though? Like, it's not it was it wasn't a fucking real tape. <laughs> Hello. Um, wait, what uh, you mean? No, uh, okay, because um, pretty much, all right. Um, Preston, Preston had, he had the CD, and I didn't have the money to get the CD, so I was like, yo, please let me borrow it real quick. I give it back to you the next day at school. I just need to record this shit. And so I record the whole CD on the tape. I didn't. Oh, I forgot about those days. Yo, yo, you, 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 you don't remember the, the, the cassette? I, like, I, I, for once, for, for once in my life, I even used the tape label, the labels that come with the tape. Yeah. Wrote the Benzino project on it. <laughs> I do remember that. Yeah, I used to do that tape. I remember sometimes. Um, I remember sometimes I would have a tape. And I wouldn't have a way to record the tape, so I would face two boomboxes to each other and wrap them in blankets. <laughs> oh, yeah. And turn one of them up real loud so I could record something. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, that's it, man. I used to do all kind of stuff. I used, to, um, I used to take headphones and chop them up so I would have the wires, and I would twist up wires so I could connect the TV to the computer so I could record music, video, audio, <laughs> and record stuff off the video games. Oh, damn. I mean, you know, 
you had you had that. Um, it's funny because like you know you hear all these stories on these interviews about you know back in the day this is what we had to do and this and that and I'm like man I got my own stories like that too. I used to had to get the um. I used to have to take the, uh, you know, toilet tissue or the tape and tape over the little parts so you can record over something. Man. Yeah. I, I think oh, we had a conversation about that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I still have the, um, yeah, I still, I mean, I still got a whole thing of old tapes. I'm always afraid to play them because I went through a phase where, like, a lot of my tapes would pop. But, um, yeah, I got to get a real good tape player and start, um, getting some of my tape uh, audio off because like a lot of my tapes are old rap attacks like the old rap attacks with uh, JB the Ballhead Wonder who uh, ended up dying from cancer mm-hmm. and um, I got old Strictly Hip Hop I got some old Core Mega interview from Strictly Hip Hop on tape somewhere <laughs> oh damn yeah I got you know my, my tape fact. archive is a little deep if I dig through it a little bit <laughs> Speaking of that, um, I turned on Street Hip Hop. I think it was last Friday. Oh man, straight from all um, Oklahoma. Yeah, um, it was. I mean, well, I, I got, I, I was, at, I was at like the very last part of it, and so I guess nowadays they have some type of pre-recorded um mix that some DJ does with some old ass eighties, nineties hip hop. Oh yeah, they always used to do that. <laughs> they did. Yeah. Oh, sure. I don't recall. Um, well, I, no, I'm, I think I'm going to try to catch it. Maybe this coming Friday, hopefully, and see what, they, what they're doing nowadays. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to uh, Strictly Hip Hop. It's a lot of um. Yeah. It's a lot of it's a lot of good hip hop programming that's out there. You just gotta dig for it, and that makes and and, and, and like that reminds me of like um, you know, I guess pre-internet. Um, you know, the, the lengths that we had to go to to listen to music and, you know, how they say when hip-hop first started, you know, if you wanted to hear it, you had to listen at a certain time. And it's like, we kind of had to go through the same thing. Like, you know, we had to hear yeah. the radio, but if you really wanted to hear what was going on underground-wise and all of that, you had to buy the source. You had to buy Double XL. You had to take chances and just buy random stuff and hope that it was good sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, eventually you had the bootleg, man. But, you know, you had to stay up 12 to 5 on Friday nights. Or you had to catch the rap attack at 7 on Sunday. I think it used to come on Saturdays when they moved it to 7 p.m. on Sundays. Yeah, it did. That was some bullshit. Yeah, and I remember, I think my first, one of my first concerts that I went to, I um, I won tickets to see most death at Sonar off the Rabbit Attack. And all you had to do was call in and, like, name his first album. And I think I might have been the second caller, the first person called up and somehow got that wrong. It's like, mm-hmm. black on both sides. This is still one of the top, one of my top favorite albums of all time. You know, um, I, I don't, I, you know, I, I really think the Ecstatic is his best album. Hmm. And you, well, you, 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 I mean, you, you, you know how, how much of a stickler I am when it comes to, to like, what an, what an album is, like, the definition of it. Yeah. So, and I, and, I, and I'm all about, you know, 
everything has to be cohesive. It has to be. It, it just can't be anything other because I don't. I just don't. I don't consider it an album. And, and for the listeners, this is going to come up sooner or later. But you know, this is why I personally, me, I like the Beach Boys over the Beatles because I feel as though they put on. They put out better albums. If you if you guys are fucking rock listeners or Beatles fans or whatever, if you guys like the Beatles. Go back and listen to the main one, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, and compare that to Rubber Soul. And t- and you can just think about it. Think about how disjointed Sgt. Pepper's is technically. Although the songs are great, but go to Rubber Soul and just think about how everything just nicely fits together because of the acoustic, the acoustic sounds, and how everything is mixed properly together. Because they're they all using the same fucking instruments and the same sounds compared to Sgt. Pepper's. Yeah, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of people, I think, would say that, you know, the Beatles didn't really have good albums, but they had great songs. This is, you know, ain't nothing wrong with that sometimes. I mean, it's not, but, um, I don't... I, I really think, I mean, I, I think, I, I mean, I, I guess, it, I mean, it hasn't always been a problem, but I think nowadays, since, you know, we're in this age where, you know, we don't have the same attention span as we did in the 19th century. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you really got to put together a really nice album. And I think people just try to get over on the single shit. And, you know, ringtone rap didn't help at all. Um. But I mean, but I really think that, you know, people just say they come and they're making an album, but they really don't understand how hard it is to put together a cohesive album. I mean, it's hard to do. Yeah, you can't just just, just jumble up a bunch of uh, songs that just don't go together. And then, like, sometimes your songs might go together, but the order might be messed up. I think that's one of my problems with um, Lupe Fiasco's second album. Sometimes, like, it'll be flowing together, and then, like, some random song will just pop up, and it's like, you could have moved this song a couple back. Mm-hmm. So, but, I don't know. I guess people make the decisions that they make for whatever reason that they make them, but... Yeah, making an album is hard. And, and and I think, too, you have to care. And I, I think that a lot of artists just don't care. I mean, yeah, that's, uh, uh, I, I guess that that's the more realistic aspect of it all. That, you know, fucking label politics. And they come out on these interviews and they say, this is my greatest album and it's so cohesive. And I was thinking about this and that. And you listen to it. And it's like it's it's really not that deep, <laughs> Wait, I mean, you know, you know, Diddy actually comes out with some pretty cohesive albums, though, of all people. Yeah, yeah, he does. Um, and you know what? See, this, this is something because I think people, I'm sure a lot of people don't even like. They either don't remember it, or they just they just never knew this shit existed. You know what I'm talking about? That that the random throwaway track that came out on those blogs in like what 2009, 2010. Yeah, um, the dream. Yeah, man. That is that is a crazy ass song. And you know so what? Dude, he said up, that um, from that last Train to Paris album, he has a lot of stuff, and he might put it out one day. 
I'm curious, like, like, if, like, if that song was one of those songs, I'm curious to see what the rest of it sounds like. And that album, I think, was slept on and forgotten about, but it's actually pretty dope. But, um, and he said he was going to keep pushing it for a long time, but, you know, it kind of fizzled, uh, fizzled out over time, and, uh, you know, maybe those songs will probably never see the light of the day, but I think that was a dope project that he put together for the most part. Well, see, I mean, well, it, it, and see, it's the thing where, I mean, press play, press play had, had, it had something about it. Like, even the joint with Keisha Cole. Oh, yeah. He, but they, he, you know, they played that shit so much that I even started liking it. <laughs> and, I mean, if you think about it, like, it has that, 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 uh, that print sample, whatever. I mean, it's actually a pretty well, it's a, it's a well put together song. And overall, the album is well put together, too, because if you're a hip-hop head, you can just tell the people who wrote for them. Between yeah. Feral Punch, Nas, and didn't Lupe write, like, two songs on there, too? Maybe he did, but I, 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 I do hear some Royce 5-9 in there. Yeah, I mean, and, and, you, and I, think, I think the genius of the album is that he's putting all these different, because he, he's, he's taking that flow, too, and, and, and that sound texture kind of, sort of. Yeah. And he's putting them on the same on the same kind of level on this this EDM ish type of landscape throughout, you know, for like fucking forty minutes. So I think that was kind of that was kind of interesting actually. Yeah, I mean Diddy you know, people knock him a lot, but you know, he I think he's kinda of ahead of his time on a lot of things and um you know, I, I I think he doesn't get all the credit that he deserves a lot of things. I mean, we always talk about this, uh, like the American Gangster album, Jay-Z. Yeah, man. He, like, he put that together. And that album sounds to me like the cohesiveness of it and just the way it, you know, generally sounds. It sounds like like what the evolution of Biggie probably would have sounded like. Well, I mean, did you ever listen to the Sean, the Sean CNLV interview on One Epstein? I did listen to it, yeah. Yeah, and, and they, yeah, and they, and they, well, I think Rosenberg asked, you know, like, what the fuck did he even doing, you know, on, on a fucking Jay-Z album? And they said, well, Jay, you know, he thought that, he figured that, you know, since, you know, did he had, he pretty much did the same thing with, you know, Biggie's album on the first one. I thought made the story. Yeah. He figured that Diddy could do it. So, yeah. Yeah, and even, like, when I think of Biggie's second album, like, American Gangster kind of reminded me of joints like, pray and pray for my downfall, and, you know, you're nobody till somebody kills. Like, it had that whole vibe, like, almost the whole way through. That was a dope album. Yeah. And then, you know, even, even J.D. was on it, too. Oh, yeah, that's right, he was. <laughs> yeah, he, um, I, he helped make the, the, I think the one with Nas, and I think, um, one other track that I can't think of right now. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's very, it's a very smart move from Jay-Z, thinking about it. Um, I'm kind of, who's that? I said, yeah, he needs to do it again. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to see that happening. I mean, as you can obviously, based on that Tom Ford shit, he's going deeper into into um, EDM. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I you know, I, 
I'm not pressed on a, on a new Jay Z album. I guess, I, like, unless it's some type of crazy collaborative effort. Like, I could, I could, I could do another Watch the Throne album. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's not. It's never gonna happen. <laughs> it's interesting now. You see, um, Kanye West and uh, Dame Dash are in business together again. They, uh, hey, what are they doing? They put out the Losadas movie together, and I think they're buying Karma Loop together. I wonder. Well, I was about to say, I wonder how Jay feels about this, but. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what's his name? Dame Dash, you know, basically accuses Jay Z of hanging around snitches on his Sway interview. <laughs> so um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But you know, Kanye's his own man. He's gonna do his own thing. So yeah, well, I don't know. I guess well, I yeah, well, I guess there really isn't going to be a Watch the Throne <laughs> two coming up. I'm surprised the first one that even came out for real to this day. <laughs> and but you know it's interesting though because you can you can even tell like that they based on the way it sold, it was really just like, an album for like music connoisseurs for the most part connoisseurs. Yeah, I mean I I still find myself going back to it like that. To me, I mean that was a dope ass record. <sighs> I mean, well, it, it had its joints. I mean, even, um, I don't know. I mean, it was, like, the production on it was, like, really interesting and intricate to a certain extent. Like, even, like, you know, Ham. Oh, yeah. That was a pretty, that was a pretty intricate beat, if you think about it. The way, you know, uh, Kanye put, like, all the other shit on top of that trap beat the way he did. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty intricate. And then too, like like it had the intricate parts and then it had the stripped down parts, like Otis. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then that and, song, um, that song that bad uh RZA produced was dope. That was like one of Kanye's best verses ever. Yeah, and then yeah, and then um the bonus track with with uh with P Rock on it. Oh yeah, yeah, the joy. Yeah. Yeah, that was a dope record too. And then uh, Pete Rock, I think on the one I've seen, he said that was an old beat. Um, he did, yeah. Yeah, and um, but I remember that song. That was one of the uh, Good Friday joints. That Good Friday period was such an exciting time. Like you just knew that Friday you gonna get something crazy. <laughs> Man, I'm so upset about Devil in a New Dress <laughs> to this day. Oh yeah. He he, like, he really should have kept it the way it was and like, just mixed it down a bit better and called it a day. Because like Rick Ross really didn't need need to be on there. That 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 guitar riff that goes on for like three minutes doesn't need to be on there. To me at least. He's a uh, Kanye. Remember back around that time? That's when um, that Rick Ross album came out. Um, that third one, uh, I can't think of the name right now, but it was the one you know. That's, that was a dope ass album, that Rick Ross album. Uh, the one that had um, MC Hammer and had uh, oh, um, BMF on it. That wasn't Triller, right? No, Triller? Nah, nah, that wasn't Triller. It was the one after that. Uh, it was Port Miami, then it was Triller, then it was. Um, shoot. Oh, what was that album? I just remember that album had a lot of dope records. 
records, and it made me actually go back and listen to some other Rick Ross. And, you know, it's not too bad. I, I just pulled up Rick Ross on um on Spotify. I forgot all about his Hood Billionaire album, which I have yet to really listen to, because he came out with Mastermind and Hood Billionaire last year. Damn, yeah, and yeah. God forgives, I don't. I forgot about that, too. Yeah, he's he That's what that album was called. Hmm? Okay, yeah, he, he shouldn't have did that. Yeah. Those two albums in the same year. I think he was doing too much. Yeah, I think the difference if you're like coming out with platinum albums, but if you're coming out with two, with, with you know, if all your albums go gold, then I don't think if you come out with two albums, you're going to do the same shit. Yeah, struggling to go gold. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, and then that, that moving bass song, uh, you know, I wasn't really messing with that beat. I guess mm-hmm. that was the uh, single from it. Oh, yes, right. Yeah, the single R. Kelly. He got a joint a little boosty on there. He got uh, I guess that was his more trap. Well, Mastermind was supposed to be the, I guess, the more Teflon Donish one. And Hood being there was more his trap mixtape type one. And I guess instead of putting it out as a mixtape, he was like, I'm going to just put it out as an album. Yeah, I mean, well, I'm, I'm, well, it seems like there wasn't a lot of promotion um, for both of the albums put together, so um, maybe the label made money off of it anyway. Who knows? Yeah. I'm pretty sure it did it anyway. Oh, um, that's right. The God Forgive I Don't had that song with Dr. Dre, Jay-Z, and Rick Ross. That's right. And he had to drink with Andre 3000 on there. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, well, shit, a lot of hip-hop kids, they, they fuck with Rick Ross. They say he's really lyrical. I don't really, I don't exactly see the, the caliber of lyricism that everyone tends to talk about. I mean, but I know he's a good rapper, though, but I think it's more the, I mean, he's a good chooser of beats, I think. Yeah, the sounding good on the beats and saying something that, you know, might resonate with you a certain type of way sometimes. Yeah, but I mean, I, but I, if I had to play, I think the best album to me would probably be Trilla. Trilla, let me, let me go look. Trilla, 15 songs that came out in 2008. Oh, man, I had that annoying-ass song. The bus, 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 bus. We got think of, well, you got to put some context. I mean, you know, this is this is like right in the heat of battle with him and Fifty Cent. Oh yeah, that's true. DJ Khaled, May- oh that's right. That was, that's right. I had the first Maybach music song on there. Okay. Him and uh, Jay Z. Oh man, you know- X. I remember that song. You know, you know, I always, I always get, I always get uh, Maybach music, the song mixed up with the um, yacht music. Oh man, that was a dope record. Uh, that was off the DJ Drama album. Yeah, um, Will, uh, Nas, Willie the Kid, and I think Rick Ross, right? Was Rick Ross on there? Hey, boy, it sounds like something you'd be on. Yeah, it did. And Willie the Kid, he, he, he held his own with Nas. I see what well, I'm upset with Willie the Kid right now, man. That fucking Fly 3. Hey, you listen to it yet? Nah, I haven't. I, I don't, I mean, he's kind of like, he's, I mean, 
See, this is what I always said about Willie the Kid because, you know, even with, like, certain cusses that he did with a lot of dark men, a lot of dark men, he really can't rap on those type of, like, trap type of beats. But Willie the Kid can. And he, it seemed like to me personally he really tried to do it on the, on his, on the plot three, but it didn't work for him because he kind of, he kind of dumbed himself down to a certain extent. And he wasn't as, uh, you know, witty as he can be, so I was really disappointed with his album. Yeah, so, I don't know what to say about him. Really, the kid, I want to see him do well. And hopefully he comes with something that's going to, you know, capture a bigger audience, because I think he deserves it. And sometimes I wonder, like, what makes certain people get picked over others? in this internet world, like, why do some people just, who are dope and put out tons of dope content, it just seems like they just get overlooked. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, I think, I don't know what to say about Willie the Kid. I mean, if you think about it, you know, obviously it seems like he has other things that he does other than music. And, um... You know, whenever it seems like when he releases an album, you know, he just comes out with it, and eventually he just like you know just 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 you know walks away from it, and then just disappears for like a, a good minute, and then he comes back out with something new. Yeah, I think in that in that long Willie the Kid interview I sent you. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, I never finished that. it. Yeah, me. <laughs> but um, I guess he's overseas touring and stuff, and I guess as an artist. Um, you know, you got to keep food on the table and you got to keep your name out there by performing and stuff like that. And I guess it comes down to, you know, the balance between, you know, touring and recording. Well, you got to remember that he was, he, he was a master's student, too. Oh, that's right, he was. So, Whittlefield, where's he getting that money from? Either he's living over in the van, so a lot of dark man is giving him money based on some illegal shit. <laughs> or, I don't know. You, See, there you go, making assumptions. <laughs> Based on race. Oh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Listen to those uh, those two J-Love mixtapes that you came out with. I remember, um... I remember during the height of that whole uh, AMG split-up type thing when people were, um... Oh, excuse me. Um... People were coming at a lot of dark men, and um, they're talking about how, how um, you know, on, on all those gangster grills, DJ Drama would put his whack ass homeboy on you know the person's song and fuck it up. And a lot of times on on the no DJ version, they would take him off. <laughs> um, <laughs> one, uh, I, I think I'm mostly talking about that fabulous mixtape where he was on there, and then on the no DJ version they took him off. And I have a homeboy who just cannot stand a lot of dark man. And he was so happy when they took him off, and he was kind of like rubbing it in my face. <laughs> oh damn! But I mean. I mean, he obviously he can't rap on fucking those type of beats. Yeah. I don't know. I wonder if he'll ever put out another album. I mean, I hate that the century did pretty well. That was a dope album. 
I mean, yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he, he's like, he's like the, he's like the, the, like the black little white. <laughs> to a certain extent, but he, he does not really capitalize off, well, I guess he got, in a way, he kind of did. I mean, yeah, I'm assuming he, he did make money off the AMG, Gangsta Grills thing, but, yeah. Um, so did, did I tell you about my, my little white story? I think I did. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 about the dude, um, <laughs> he ran into somebody. Uh, I mean, no, somebody was listening a little white or something like that. Oh, well, I mean, well, no, but I mean, uh, no, I mean, well, we were here and he, and he, he, uh, started singing at the, we had like a conversation about pills and he just started randomly singing and then I started, you know, singing, singing with him and shit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, so I saw him earlier and, um, he told someone else about it and so she's supposedly I guess I guess today she's going to um, sing it to me when she sees me <sighs> yeah yeah apparently white people love the white <laughs> I wonder what he's doing now I wonder if he's going to white uh, up his uh, his act <laughs> start singing country music one day I don't know. I mean, he came out. He came out with a mixtape, mixtape recently. I, I believe. I've never listened to him though, but I've been meaning to. Oh man, Little White, No Six Days. He had a bunch of stuff in 2014. Yeah, he was. He was rather busy, but I mean, I know he tours all throughout. I guess the south of the country, whatever it is. Hey, did you know that um that Roland came out with a new eight um eight oh eight? Like nah, I think I last year or something like that? Mm-mm. I think it was last year or the year before last, but um apparently it's a uh what they did was they mixed the eight oh eight and the nine and the nine oh nine together. Hmm. Um and it sent um I I I think I watched two videos of it and uh, it sounds um it is. I don't. Know, it's just. I mean, technically, for real, it sounds like a nine oh nine and the eight oh eight together, like how you would think it sounds. And I'm pretty sure between you and me, we both probably play with trying to mix nine oh nine and eight oh eight together. Yeah, I mean, I um, think that. Um, I think it's 2015, and if you're trying to, you know, like, why you just like it seems like they're just trying to capitalize off the popularity of the name and trying to sell you a box. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, but I will say that it does sound kind of different. It it, it, it's, it sounds... The thing about the 808 to me is that I have a problem with the 808. It, it, sometimes it sounds kind of cheesy. Kind of. And I think they clean... I think they clean the sound up a bit on, on this box. I guess you have to... Um... Yeah, I mean, I don't know, like all that stuff. You know, I apply um, a lot of EQ to kind of shape the sound a little bit. So maybe this one you don't have to do as much with it. But like, I don't know. You can, kind of, I mean, now you know you can make your own waveforms and make your own drums and stuff like that. So I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> oh, see, see, man, I was that's, that's that's why I wanted to bring it up. Yeah, I, I, I had it. I had it on my list of things to bring up because, um, it you know, I, I think 
if you think about it, you know, having these new drum machines come out, you know, why are they coming out? Because you don't really need them anymore. And while well, these things are coming out, you do have, like, certain people who still complain about, well, they never really complain about reason, but they complain about Fruit Loops. So, you know, sometimes in these podcasts, you hear about someone just shitting on Fruit Loops. And it kind of disturbs me, because, I mean, because although I understand where they're coming from, but I don't know if they should blatantly just come out and say certain things like that, because there are people who actually use it or can use it. And if you think about it, certain genres of music have been either extended, expanded, or whatever like that, or made based on free loops. Yeah, and another thing, too, is, like, you get into... When hip-hop first started, and they first started using drum machines, you know, the older people from other genres of music were coming at them for that and not using real instruments and stuff like that, you know, quote-unquote real instruments. So it's like you're doing the same thing to other people. This call is now being recorded. Okay, so we had a little bit of a technical difficulty, but we're back in the building now. So <laughs> um, <laughs> what I was saying was... um you know, whatever instrument you use, it's all in the mind of the person who's using it. So, you know, I, know, I guess if you want to use a new 808, you know, go right ahead. It's funny because I was in Guitar Center earlier today, and I was, I haven't been there in so long. I was just looking at all the equipment and getting back into that mind frame of, you know, studio building and what I want to get and that type of thing. And, um... I don't know. I think, you know, where it is now is just getting a dope MIDI controller. And I was looking at the M- the MPK uh, joints from Akai. Um, mm. And they got the joint. Uh, they had the one that I really want. It's the, uh, it's not the MPD. It's like an MPK 149 or 249, something like that, where it's, uh, it was, where it's the keyboard and it has the MPK. something similar, if not the same thing, um, because I'm thinking, I mean, I want to expand, but, you know, where I'm at right now, I don't want to really buy anything, like, mad bulky, like, I really don't want to buy shit at all, for real, <laughs> while I'm here, because, um, well, this is this is another element to the Canada, the Canada story, which not fits into another reason why I want to go. Mm. Um, so, you know, I, I have, like, a, a lot of, you know, like, um, Pretty much, you know, a lot of Ivy League school people and stuff like that. And, you know, just talking to them, how that program is and stuff like that. Um, you know, I thought that it was like a thing. And, like, pretty much all graduate schools that, you know, that you have to pay your school fee. But, no, it's not like that. Um, it's just like it's just like that here. And it's something that they recently changed maybe about four years ago. Because usually when you get, like, you know, an assistantship or whatever like that, you don't pay anything. You don't pay nothing. So instead of me paying $2,000 a year or whatever like that, I'm going to go somewhere else. Mm. Um, because this ain't cool. <laughs> this, this is not cool. And, you know, I'm sitting up here. 
Um, I know I didn't get like any type of reimbursement deal when I went to Canada. These niggas, they had fucking allowances for food, travel, shit like that. And either tomorrow or sometime this week, I gotta go to the department to see the chair of the department and try to beg him for some money so I can get something back. <laughs> um. So yeah, I'm, I'm not liking the system. I want to go somewhere else. You thinking? Um. You thinking a uh, school? Outside of the U.S., maybe. Nah, you, you know, you know what's funny is that um, I, I, you know, I was talking to my mother maybe some weeks ago about you know when she when uh, our mother went when our mothers went to London, mm-hmm. and um, you know, she said after a while she got kind of homesick and she wanted to come home, mm-hmm. and although I was only I was only away in Canada for like for a short time. But um, although I felt like I felt like I was, I had to remind myself sometimes I was in Canada. But there were certain things that kind of annoyed me <laughs> about being in Canada, and I was like, God damn, I wish I was back in the states. And one of the, one of the main things was, um, you know, you know, like you when you go to like a different country, you know, like your your phone plan changes, so. You know, I know, like, I think the majority of people, although it's funny, they had plans, but, you know, they couldn't use their phones at all. I'm on a go phone plan, and, you know, I can still get free text. I, I can text if I want to. It's like, 20, it's like, what, 25 cents and talking is 15 cents a minute. I can still do it, but, it's, you know, it's kind of weird. But I don't have any data at all, so I just can't. So I had to be on the Wi-Fi connection. And sometimes that was kind of annoying, and... After a while, seeing, like, different currency, after a while, it's kind of annoying, too. <laughs> I don't know why, but it was something like, God damn, I wish I could see a dollar right now. <laughs> well, it was weird. I, I can't explain it, but um, I can kind of understand where my mother was coming from. Because after a while, I think you just kind of wouldn't be in your own country. Um, now... I don't now. I mean, I say this only going to Canada. So if, I don't know if, if I really want to go where I really want to go. I don't. I don't know because I feel like you know going to Canada was kind of like teasing me or at least in Winnipeg because I mean it's so. I mean they they all speak English, you know. So I don't know how I would feel if I went, you know, to to Germany or uh, I don't know, Japan or something like that. I don't know, maybe it'll be a bit different. I'm not sure. Um, but then also maybe a lot of this has to harkens back to the fact that, you know, I want to go home this summer and maybe, you know, to Baltimore this summer and, you know, I'm not sure that that's going to happen. <laughs> Damn. Um, I mean, I mean, cause you know, like, you know, like listening to other people, you know, like, um, in Canada, uh, you know, this, uh, this one guy, he's from Amsterdam and stuff like that. You know, a lot of these people, they don't get to go home like that for real. They, you know, they, they really go through it. And even even here, you know, people who are from the states, you know, they don't get to go back to their state like that, you know, to their hometown. And they, they kind of fucked up. And they're, they're in the same country. Yeah. Yeah, I had a lot uh, of friends um, from California who never got to go back home. I mean, yes. I mean, I, I, I can imagine how it feels, you know. I mean, I, I haven't gotten that way yet, but sometimes I'm just like, I think it's really more like, like the freedom of knowing I can go home whenever I feel like it. Man, but it's not really like that. So I can understand where certain people are coming from. 
Something's something about going home for like a little bit. Even it's only like two days. I don't know, man. I, I mean, I haven't traveled very far in my life, but you know, I've, I've, I've been away from here for you know a long period of time. And even when I was younger, like when I used to go to New York. I guess, mm-hmm. I, I guess New York was kind of home too, because you know, I was there, and my father was there, and everything. But I never felt homesick. <laughs> Like, I never wanted to come back here. Like, I don't know why that was or is or whatever. And then even when I was in D.C., I guess the closest I got to feeling homesick was um, sometimes when I came back and I would be driving down 83 and I would see the lights of downtown. And, you know, it just made me feel happy and, and nostalgic. Or, like... You know, if I go to the hood for a little while and chill out, it would be different because, mm-hmm. you know, I, you know, if I wasn't in the hood for a long time, but then when you're here and you're just in the hood for a long time, then you're just like, oh, I got the fuck out and never come back. Yeah, I mean, I, see, I think like with you, since you were like in those type of hip hop circles, you still had like that type of, that certain element that you needed, I guess. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. To, like, to kind of feed off of them. So it's like, you know, um, like here, I think, I think the main thing, like, I was, you know, I, I told my mother this, like, a while ago, um, you know, it's kind of weird, you know, like, um, you know, I, I go outside, see these, these, you know, these lush trees, it's quiet, um, I, I think, I think my, I think the landlady, I think, if I, if I recall, I, I think she, she did like a, a job in like a little garden here, so we had like some new plants and shit. They're all nice and, nice and springy and shit, and, you know, you go outside, smoke a cigar, it's all quiet, you see some people riding around the bike, being happy, you know, you see, you see, you see cats, but they're not straight cats, they're like cats that people own, but, the neighborhood's so safe that they just, they freely let their cats roam, and they and the cats kind of have this weird connection with all of each other. They all play with, it's weird, it's weird as shit. <laughs> and and I think the main thing, like one time I was on the porch, you know, talking, and a dog, and a dog is like just walking walking down the street, and I'm like fuck, it's a dog. Dog, the dog, he looks at me, I'm like fuck, it's gonna come to me. And the dog comes up, it comes up on the porch, I'm thinking it's probably gonna attack me or something, but. The dog just starts licking me, and you know, and the dog's well groomed, nothing like that. And you know, and then someone, you know, dog, you know, he hugs me and shit, and then he just walks off and you know, goes somewhere else. And you know, Boston, or you know, if you see a fucking dog, straight dog, you know, you gotta go in the house, some shit like that. The dog probably has one leg, fucking iPad, shit, shit like that, or whatever like that. Dirty like dog is some type of pit bull that lost a fight, so the owner just let it go. <laughs> Just running around wild, just looking for for trouble, for beef. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just certain elements that, like, you know, just being in this type of element, I'm not used to and kind of disturbs me. Like, you know, for real, sometimes when I go on the porch, I'm just like, God damn, like, I'm so used to, like, to, like, you know, to, to like, seeing niggas on the corner up to no good that... And it sounds really bad, but I'm so used to it that it disturbs me when I'm not around it. Mm. <laughs> um, so sometimes, think, um, like, sir. Y'all go ahead. 
Yeah, I mean, so I mean, it's just certain elements. Sometimes, you know, I just miss. And I think, I think, you know, I, I guess, I mean, being able to travel, thankfully, I guess, you know, it's it's catapulted me in the in the various circles that I'm not used to, which is good. But then sometimes it's like, you know, goddamn. I think um, what you're ex- what you're experiencing is kind of reminding me of um. Um, you know, The Walking Dead, what's going on now, and, you know, the crew, you know, they've been out in the wild for a long time, you know, dealing with zombies and going from place to place, and they hadn't really uh, found a safe place where they can just kind of chill. So long story short, they finally get to this place where they can kind of chill, and the people who are living in there, they don't, like, they haven't really experienced the outside world and the zombies and what it's like out there, and so... It's kind of like how you described it. It's very calm. It's very peaceful. Ain't nothing really going on. People are just living their lives regular. And various people who are in, you know, the protagonist crew, they're, um, they are like, uh, like, you know, this isn't right. You know, I'm going to lose my edge if I stay here around these people for too long. You know, they're, they're kind of out of that element. And some of them, you know, having gone just taking trips back into the wild, just killing zombies, just because that's what they're used to, and they just can't take <laughs> that uh, that sense of peace. So that's kind of what uh, you just said. Kind of reminded me of, but I don't know. I've always felt. I don't know. I just always try to enjoy the moment that I'm in and where I'm at. I guess you know. I guess it's kind of like a Buddhist type of thing, but. You know, I, I, I just I, I just try to experience where I'm at because, uh, I, like, I try not to get caught up in places where I'm not. And I guess that's what kind of keeps those feelings away. Of course, that's as long as I have certain things that I need to have with me, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's... Uh... You know, because, like, the the way I kind of, like, cope with it, you know, I think about the times when, you know, you're just stuck in Baltimore, you know, it's, it's the same shit <clears throat> over and over and over again every day. Yeah. And you're just like, God damn, like, you know, you just need to break from the shit. And then when you get it, yeah. The streets, the same everything. I'm I'm to the point now where, like, I see the same homeless people. Oh yeah, yeah, man, yeah, that's. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then it's not even. I see the same homeless people in the same place. I see the same homeless people in different places. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, the other day I went to Subway and I'm eating my sandwich, and a homeless dude walks in, and I'm like, I know him. <laughs> And he walks into the bathroom, and I think me and my mother, we were sitting in there. So the homeless guy walks in, and he just goes into the bathroom. And the whole time, me and my mother are sitting in the subway and leave, the homeless dude never came out. Mm-hmm. And I saw him uh, I saw him again Friday, uh, uh, this past Friday, you know, staying out in his uh, normal spot. And, like, it's another homeless lady. She's up and down Northern Parkway and Park Heights. I'm just like, it's, I don't know, 
it just, it just wears on me sometimes, like, and then, like, I guess, um, there's that side of it, and then, you know, today I was in uh, a more diverse area. As a matter of fact, this is a dope uh, thrift store that um, me and my girl found on Joppa Road, so I'm in there, I'm checking out the book section, and the books. Um, you know, I go to the religion and spirit and our spirituality section, and like I went to the religion and spirituality at a Goodwill the other day. Um, uh, the one at Owens Mills, and they had like all these books about Buddhism and various religions and stuff like that. And then I went to the religion and spirituality section um, at the book thing uh, mm-hmm. like weeks ago, and they had all these different types of books about various things. This one it was straight Christianity. And then, it, even more so than that, they had these books from, uh, you know, Anne Couture, mm-hmm. or however you say her name, and it was just oh, like... Anne Coulter, I think, Coulter, I believe. Yeah, Coulter, and um, I actually bought one of them. It's like something about godless liberalism and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> and then I go to the political section, and this is these super conservative books... And it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about the racism. Um, and I'm just looking at the books in the area that I'm at, and I'm like, if these are the books in this area, then what's the mind state of the people in this area? And, you know, I mean, it was all these books trashing Obama that I never even knew came out. Like, oh, man, I'm trying to remember some of the titles. Um, one of them, it was called Black... Oh, it was called... Uh, Black something. Black Lash. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it was a big, it was a big black, um, this big black uh, hardback book. It was called Black Lash. And then, like, the subtitle was something about, like, how Obama and liberalism are trying to push people into, or, you know, push, uh, Okay, how Obama and the left are driving Americans to slavery. My mm-hmm. bad. Uh, driving Americans to the government plantation. <laughs> and, you know, it's amazing to me how fast these motherfuckers can, can come up with books. I mean, you know, on both sides, on, on certain things. Yeah, I mean, yo, Ann Coulter had, or uh, Coulter has so many books. I was looking, Sean Hannity has so many books. And this is just at the thrift store. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> You know, you know, but on the liberal side, um, I read, I read some articles. Um, you know, um, Chuck Todd, he he did, he he used to do the uh, the Daily Rundown. Yeah. Um, he, he does um, what's he called now? The uh, shit on Sundays. Um, uh, oh, uh, Meet the Press. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does Meet the Press now. Yeah. Um, I think his his, his last book. It was about Obama, and supposedly he's like he's like trashing the shit out of Obama and his policies in it. Um, and you know it's pretty it's pretty interesting coming from MNBC, MSNBC, and how liberal they are. So I wonder. Yeah, I wonder. They just jump at whatever um, Obama does. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, but I mean, but yeah, you know, I think um, 
I guess it really just goes into, you know, the whole idea of balance, um, you know, in, in, in your environment. Mm. Um, you know, I don't really, you know, I don't, you know, sometimes it's even weird, like, not, not even, like, not walking around without, like, some type of weapon. Mm. Weird shit. <laughs> and it, it fucks with me sometimes, um... And I, I, you know, just just being on the lookout for something. Although I am to a certain, I am, but it's just not the same type of being on, on the lookout for something. You know. I mean, and, it's it, it's like you're in an environment where people want to look out for you. Yeah, yeah. So it's like you have to be on the lookout for yourself because you have to constantly think about your mannerisms and your way of whatever and how other people are perceiving it. Because they're already going to perceive your blackness a certain type of way. Well, you, you know, nowadays I'm more free with the shit now. I don't, I don't, I don't care as much. Um, <laughs> because you know, I, I you know, every day, um, as before I go to bed or, or something like that, you know, I, I sit, I sit down and I just kind of space out and just think about, um, there's usually one thing, I, like one thing I want to think about where that's reflect on my day. Mm. And I've been doing this since maybe like, you know, sophomore year, um, of my undergraduate career, just thinking about something, about something that maybe, you know, something that I feel like I fucked up on, um, you know, doing, doing my day, and even if it was like, you know, fucking up, talk, trying to talk to a girl or something like that. And, you know, things I could do to make myself better overall. Um, and lately, it's been it's been on, um, you know, do I want to get a PhD or not? And so I think for the past three, four months, I've been, this is what I've been, like, reflecting on, like, the pros and cons of it, so-and-so, whatever. Um, but, um, when you, uh, oh, wait, what were we talking about again? Um, your environment and balance. Right. Yeah, so Yeah, so yeah, right. So me yeah, not giving a fuck. So, you know, um I guess in between all that I was thinking about, you know, the way I work, how hard I work. And sometimes, you know, you 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 just can't have these people crowd you know, like the the fucking like the the perceptions that 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 linger within our society on certain things, you just can't have it cloud your shit because you know you just work too hard for it. You just you just can't you just can't have it. Yeah. And so sometimes I you know I I, I mean I walk into certain places. I'm a fucking black man. I have this hair, but I bet you I know more than you do about certain things. I mean sometimes that's how I feel. I walk into a bitch in the show. <laughs> I mean, for real. I mean, because some, I mean, sometimes, like, you know, it, you know, you, you, I mean, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. I mean, because even if you don't do it, you know, they still want, they, they still want to see you at the same thing. For example, like the day, like the day after that, that SAE shit came out, mm. um, we had a teacher, and we had like these big, these big, these uh, big name professors that came here, whatever, like that. And I went there um, to, to see one p- p- professor in particular. I walk up in there. I'm, I'm you know, I'm about to get a seat or whatever. I have bu- I have a book bag in my hand, dude. And this older white old white man comes up to me. He's asking me where the bathroom was. 
And I'm looking at him, and I'm like, I don't know what the bathroom is. He's like, oh, oh, okay, oh, you don't work here, huh? I'm like, no, I don't fucking work here. So, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I did say fucking. And, I mean, so pretty much, this nigga thought, he was like, he thought I was like a janitor or some shit. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, yeah, I just, I just can't, I, I just can't take this shit no more, man, sometimes, you know? It's just, it's I crazy. Think, I think, I think you need to see that movie, um, I think you need to see that movie Get Hard, um, because I guess it kind of puts a comedic spin on that type of thing, like, um, basically when the guy, when the rich white man thought he was going to jail, and he's talking to, you know, the, the, the middle class, but, you know, still struggling black man was trying to get, you know, moved to the next level, mm-hmm. and, um, he's He's, you know, he, he, uh, the white man is going to jail, so he needs tips. So he automatically assumes that the black man, Kevin Hart, is, uh, has been to jail. And so he's like, how do you know that I've been to jail? And he says, well, statistically speaking, you know, you being African American, you know, one third of you guys, uh, you know, you know, go to prison. And he said, let me break it down for you. Imagine a pizza, a black pizza, and you slice it in three parts. And you take one of those slices and you put it in jail. So it's like, one, you're assuming that he has been to jail because he's black, and two, and that he lives a certain type of life, and two, and and um, you know, there were other instances of this type of thing, but this is like the big one that kind of stuck out to me. And then two, you're assuming that he doesn't understand what you're saying, and mm. it's kind of like, um, and they did it in a funny way, but it was very real because. You know, you walk around, and especially in a place like that, um, where there isn't much diversity, you know, people automatically assume all these things about you, and you just have no control over it. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, maybe I'll try to find a movie somehow, some way. Yeah, I see that it's up. Uh, there's a cam version on uh, Boxton. All right, yeah. I'll probably oh. wait for a spinner or a TC or something like that. Yeah. A TSR call it. Um, but yeah, um, that, uh, that, that free, that, I mean, the, the, the free loop, sh- the free loop shit is kind of, yeah, that, that shit kind of bugs me. Um, I don't know, I mean, I, I don't think, I mean, I guess eventually it will change because, I mean, there's only been so much hardware you can come out with, and then, you know, by the time, you know, te- technology is still advancing, so there wouldn't be much of a point in having a whole bunch of hardware compared to just having everything, you know, software. Yeah, I think I think the hardware now is more, more used for uh, mastering and things like that. And I guess it depends on what you're doing because, of course, you do need hardware. I mean, you do need microphones. You know, you might like, you know, you, know, you might want a, like a nice, uh, outboard compressor and stuff like that. But, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, and I guess this is like the whole argument, everything is going to digital at the end of the day. So, you know, and of course there's all kind of arguments and stuff like that for and against, uh, you know, doing as much analog as possible as you can, um, before you go to digital and, all that type of stuff. I think my thing that I want to start doing, though, is running, doing something and then running it through a tape 
um, kind of hot, and then running and then recording it back to digital. I think that might make some type of difference in warmth and everything like that. So okay, I think uh, DJ Quick was talking about he did that with the uh, my nigga song, the YG joint. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I mean, I, I, I did it through, um, I did it through th- uh, certain songs on the Secret Order, and um, yeah. I went back and listened to it um, some days ago, and I can notice the difference between certain beats that I put through a tape compared to the ones I didn't. Mm. Um, like you know, even like kind of like the, even on the basis that it wasn't the way I really wanted it to be, like, mixed-wise, but the bass even had, like, a more of a warmer feeling compared to the other things that did have bass in it. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I, I can totally see why people do it. I mean, because I always thought that way anyway about, about tapes. Um, you know, there, there's still a certain... I had a conversation about, um, about tapes um, the other day, last weekend, actually, about tapes. And, like, you know, certain people, they just, they just don't like the sound of tapes, period. <laughs> um, I, think, I think the thing that used to always bother me about it was the hiss when I was younger. But I guess now I appreciate it. <laughs> I mean, well, see, that's the thing. I mean, I, maybe, I mean, I, I know of me, I, I know tapes, for me, it's, it's much more nostalgic than it is, you know. Um, more of a technique. Mm. But the thing is, though, um, you know, if you think about it, when you're talking to someone outside, you're going to hear different sounds. You know, you're not just hearing someone's voice. You're hearing birds chirping, someone arguing, some shit like that, people yelling, cars going by. And if you want to be technical, that's a different, that's some type of piss you're probably going to hear, whatever, whatever you want to call it, background noise. Yeah. And the shit is just real. I, I think that's, I, I think that's why MIA's album worked the way it did, the way it was mixed, because she recorded outside a lot of times for certain songs. That's dope. I think. Man, I think when I get money, <laughs> I'm gonna have an outside studio. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was crazy. Like, I mean, that's fucking Red Bull Music Academy interview that she did talking about that shit. Um, you know, they, they get like two big ass speakers, put them outside or whatever like that. She had the microphone and she's just, you know, performing outside like in a field or whatever, wherever she was performing at. And you can just hear it because you like her, like, the, you can just hear like a certain, it was like a certain vibe that the shit had just based on, I guess, the collection of sounds in, in the different areas she was at all, all over the world. And I think that's what really added that certain flavor to our album too. Um, I go back and uh, I gotta I, I gotta revisit some more of her music um, again. Yeah, I have yeah, it all. I, you see, I had, I had a conversation about MIA too in Canada with um with someone, and um you know I, I think because usually all this you know people like I mean people like her first and second album no and that that no one really cares about her after that. And you know he told me she had a problem with the third one and. I guess the fourth one too. She said to a certain extent, but she never, she never like listened all the way through. Um, well, I mean, I after we, um, I don't know. Remember, um, it was, a, it was a while ago when we uh, sat and we listened to the third one. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess you kind of showed me the light. <laughs> I 
<laughs> I was like, yeah, this is pretty dope. I see what you're saying. <laughs> I mean, like even um the the uh, the, the um the third joint Tequila and like the background on like the beat well at least like the like the genre I can't think of like the, the, the certain genre that Diplo what was this I think it was Diplo um the type of genre it was based on um I can't think I can't think of that shit but I mean just the way it was made is fucking fucking genius to me um I mean yeah even like that the fuck the, the Born Free joint yeah but although personally, I could never mess with that that love song or the one that had Jay Z on a remix. <laughs> I like that song, XOXO. Yeah, yeah, that's something I couldn't really get with. But I mean, everything else is. I mean, because I mean, well, on on the third one to kill or the the, the uh, remix that had Nicki Minaj on was cool. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I'm thinking now. You know, it being the 10th anniversary of the becoming. No, it'll be the 10th anniversary of her album soon. Oh, yeah, yeah, 2005. Yeah. God damn, man. I mean, it's kind of weird if you think about it because, um, yeah, because it'd be coming and, and her first album, her second album. Yeah, I was still in, in the apartment. In, in the apartment when she came out. Mm. Crazy. We uh, yeah, I remember we first heard her at the uh, Ice Hooker Lounge. You know, it's not there anymore. Yeah, I heard, uh, yeah, her. Um, yeah, someone told me that it wasn't there anymore. But did we drive past and see? Was it not there last time you were here? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, now I wonder if it moved or it's or it's just no more. That's a good question. I was at that. I mean, it used to be the spot. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, although I would assume that um, maybe they lost a lot of um, business after people started buying their own hookahs. Yeah. That's what everyone talks about nowadays. Yeah, the website is still up. Huh. anything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, one of my coworkers, well, I'm assuming she's still one of my coworkers back in Baltimore. Um, like every Friday, like a thing of her, and like to sit around and smoke a hookah at night. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. Gotta find a new hookah spot. What's the uh? Are there any uh, hookah spots down in uh Norman? Uh, I think that is, there was like a, there was a smoke spot that like recently closed down like two weeks ago, like no, like a month ago now. Um, they they sold hookahs in there, but um, I think there is some place that does that does you can't smoke hookah in. I just don't know where. But um, you know, like a lot of bars, there are like two or three bars here where you can smoke in. Oh, yeah, like actual like bars, like bars slash restaurants and shit. That's rather interesting. <laughs> But, um, nice dark corner. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, um, I, well, I've only been in one of them once. Um, and I smoked the pipe in there. It was cool. But, um, you know, like, I, sometimes the cigarette smoke gets kind of annoying after a while. All that cigarette smoke like that. Although it was, it was kind of like a nice, um, 
I had a nice nostalgic feeling to it since I'm I'm pretty used to being around a whole bunch of cigarette smoke anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't really exactly mind it, but sometimes it's like, all right. <clears throat> Shoot. Yeah, this was good. I remember um, I remember in D.C. when I used to perform at the Island Cafe. I used to be smoking in there. I used to, I used to come back smelling like crazy cigarette smoke. I used to have to wash my clothes. I used to have, have a jacket that I just wore there. <laughs> oh, damn. So, <laughs> so you... <laughs> like, you, like, literally jacket. smoke jacket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that shit was real. Yeah. Um, legal, too. Oh, so you said it was illegal? I, I, I believe so. Smoking inside oh. of a establishment. Mm-hmm. You know what's interesting um, about, like, they talk about pills and shit? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I had a talk with, like, one of the guys in um, Winnipeg. Um, we were just talking about, like, like, the drugs, so, like, drugs we've done or whatever, like, the, you know, he was telling me about his experience with, like, LSD and, like, he shrooms and shit like that. And um, I told him about, you know, like, uh, you know, me, like, you know, popping pills every, every so often. Mm-hmm. Um, back, back, way back when. And, um, I told him that, you know, sometimes, you know, when I'm just sitting around, whatever, like that, I'm just like, damn, I can really go for, like, a pill right now or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, he told me he feels the same way. He, he feels the same way at times, too. <laughs> so, I don't know. So, it's, it's, yeah, that's what I'm saying, like, that, um, the uh, Generation RX joint that, Dan- that Danny Brown did some years ago. That's what I'm saying. Like, that was, like, I think that's like the biggest song of that year. Like what, 2013, whatever it was, 2012. Mm. It just res- it just resonates to this day. <laughs> Good old Danny Brown. <laughs> yeah, see, I think the album is going to be a monster whenever it comes out. Hopefully. I mean, the last one... Embarrassed when you know when I pretty much trashed I trashed that album you know when we were all listening to it at that time yeah um because I just couldn't get with that shit I'm like what the fuck is he doing and like and I think the main one I was against was uh was Dick and then like I had that shit on my on my playlist on Google Play and I just played shit back but that shit is crazy <laughs> I, I I haven't revisited that song maybe I maybe, you know maybe I should go and do that. Yeah, I mean, because, yeah. oh. <laughs> I mean, like, even, like, um, like, like, even, like, a single shit, it just works, like, like, 25 bucks. I mean, it's, like, a real song, but he's still kind of lyrical in a way with it. And, I mean, he still has, like, the same type. I think that's the main thing about singles with me is that when someone makes a single, they tend to lose their voice, or they don't have the same type of voice texture, but he pretty much does throughout the whole thing. Um. Yeah. So, um, have you uh, have you given like Ghostface's album another listen yet? I've been meaning to. I haven't done that either. And I, I was just looking at it. Too. Mm-hmm. 
And then I think I think that album can be nominated for like like one of the songs can be nominated for like best rap performance or something like that. On a Grammy. Mm-hmm. Like that. Yeah, album I think that album is like what he what he intended to do with um the last one he came up with. It's it's lush but grimy at the same time. Yeah, and I wonder I wonder what he's gonna do next. Like, is this the way his career is gonna go from now on or is he gonna switch it up or come out with a more traditional type of ghostface album or well, I'm assuming the enough uh, damn album is going to come out. I'm hoping he doesn't do this band shit anymore. I mean, it's cool, but all right, we get it. <laughs> yeah. But um, the joint with um that that uh that that has um was was the name uh Elza. Yeah. Elza wrote that song. I mean, Elza, man, he's he's one of the most fucked on dudes, and I, w- I always had to go back to his uh, Elmatic album. Let's see, I mean, uh, yeah, something about this me doing someone's whole album over like that is kind of he kind of annoys me. Yeah, I, I don't know that one though. I don't know that one to me was so well done. And, you know, the fact that he had the band replay it and all of that, like, and, you know, he got his props from not surprised Nas didn't try to sign him. <laughs> I'm going to ask you thinking about it. I wonder if, um, I wonder if, um, that's, like, the reason why Ghostface got him on the album. <laughs> it might be. And I'm trying to see, I'm looking through now, I'm trying to see who, uh, what band he got to to uh, play? Oh, Will Sessions. Yeah. Oh yeah. So have to do that. So yeah. Speaking of that, um, have you heard of the podcast um called Sound Exploder? Nah. Yeah. So um, uh, you know, on point with um Tom Ashbrook. Is it an NPR joint? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah well, I, I downloaded some episodes for The Plane, um, and there was one on, uh, on like, the golden age of podcasting, and so, I mean, they had, like, two, one girl, one, one, someone from Slate and some other guy from whatever he's doing, and, um, you know, they talk about their favorite podcast, and, of course, Serial was, like, the the, the primary one they, they really based the whole conversation around. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I'm going, to, I'm going to try to listen to it sooner or later, I think. Um, especially since you said it was so good. Yeah, um, I mean, <laughs> I think I can't wait for the next one. Um, another podcast I've been meaning to get into, um, which is kind of, it's another one of the NPR type joints, um, and the first season is over, um, it's called Invisibilia. Oh yeah, they um, you know what they what they did was they thought they, they they played it like live or whatever like that um on the radio um so yeah, yeah I would sometimes listen to it when I would have um when I would like live stream WYPR uh-huh. um but I never really got into it like that but um as, actually after listening to Tom Ashbrook um they played they played a clip from this episode when they're talking about this woman who can't feel fear. Uh-huh. 
Um, so I really want to I want to find that episode if, if anything. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, Sound Exploder, like the guy, he said it's one of his favorite podcasts, and it's <clears throat> about this guy. He pretty much talks with like um someone about the breakdown of a beat or a song that they made. Um, and so one of so one and so the clip they played was um for. I guess, I guess it was maybe it was Will Sessions or whoever it was on a Ghostface song and how and how they decided to to make the beat. Mm. I gotta check that uh, out. Sound Exploder. I'm about to make a note of that. Sound Exploder. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I subscribed to it this morning. I haven't listened to anything. Oh no, yeah. Um, this um this podcasting game is getting kind of. Like, it's a lot of them I got to catch up on. Like, this is one that, um, called Startup, which is about this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you about that, too. Yeah. Yeah, um, I had that on my list. Yeah, it has been on my list for a long time because um, I, I, I listened to uh, Ice-T's podcast here and there, and he interviewed the guy who um is doing it. And it sounded really interesting, and I listened to a couple. I think I, think I listened to a couple episodes, like like the first one, but I I want to kind of see where that's going. And you know, Twitter started off as a podcast app that didn't pop off, so they took the messaging part of it and turned that into Twitter. Oh well, I had no idea. Yeah. So I mean, this thing is, this thing is uh, popping off. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I, yeah, I think we're at the, I think we're at the right moment. Yeah, so the first episode is up for people who want to listen. Um, it's up on the website. I don't know if you saw how it is now. It's, the website is real basic. I got to figure out how to get the, with the theme that I put on there, I got to figure out how to get the top banner across it. Um, oh. Once it's on, um, I think once it, iTunes accepts it, then I'll put the second one up, and then I'll put everything on uh, YouTube, SoundCloud, uh, I guess Daily Motion, and you know all of the different places where it can go. And uh, uh-huh. I'll start sending out emails, and hopefully people will post it. <laughs> all right. Well, should um, did you uh, did you make a post of all the other things? Like I guess the uh, the list, I guess the reading list for the show, or listening list, or whatever you want to call it. I have not done that yet. That, I, I put the, um, it took me so long to figure out the whole thing was getting it submitted to iTunes and, cause it's, it's, it's being hosted off of the, um, you know, the GoDaddy hosting. Mm-hmm. And, um, apparently you have to pay $25 a month for, uh, virtual private server in order for the, uh, RSS feed to be in a format to where iTunes will accept it. <laughs> So I figured out if I just put the feed through FeedBurner, it'll be fine for iTunes. And it took me, like, days to figure that out. <laughs> but um, on the uh, how you think we should do it, um, I guess put it on the post of the episode. Uh, let's see, like, out of that or, you know, like, how, let's say, like, how, um, like, Rachel Maddow does with, like, with her blog, and, you know, like, or NPR people, uh-huh. they put up, like, a reading list, like, a day before or so, before you, you, uh, you come out with the episode or whatever like that. Okay. So, out of that, 
I think for the first one, what I'll do is put it on the post that's already there. And um, I've started, I've started, uh, like, I've, I've, like, I've been taking notes of different things that we've been talking about. So um, I can uh, put that up in preparation for uh, this episode. Okay, I mean, well, shit, I mean, I can do something here. Uh, I can send you the list because <laughs> you, you have all the login information. I, 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 I can send you the list and you can put that together and then make a post for that. And then once, uh, hopefully iTunes doesn't take too long to, um, to, uh, review the podcast and accept it. And then once that happens, we just try to get as many subscribers and stuff as possible. Mm-hmm. And, Get this thing cracking. All right, because um, well, yeah, because I I, I put out all the all the information for the first one on um into the Google Doc that has all the large information. Oh yeah, I did see that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll just do something with that. Um. But um. Yeah, it should be should be fun. That's what it is. Well, I think um. About that time, call it a wrap. Yeah, it's been about the same length as of the uh, the last one, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, let me see. The first part before the call cut off is 180 minutes and 13 seconds, and then this part is 51 minutes. <laughs> I think this one is longer. It might be a little longer. Yeah, this one might have to be broken up because I had some trouble. I mean, you know, luckily our sound quality isn't that great to where um, it has to be in uh, you know uh, a high high quality. Uh, well, not I, I'm not gonna say high quality, but you know, a high bit rate and everything like that. So they would upload it all. So I think the yeah. limit to upload for WordPress is 32 megabytes, but, you know, what I could do, because I didn't upload, uh, upload it from home, but um, what I could do is just upload it through the, um, through the FTP and not from the actual WordPress joint and see how that goes, so. But, you know, Joe Rogan's uh, podcast are, like, three hours long, so. Yeah, they are. Uh, yeah, I've tried to listen to one I, I can't do because the first, like, 40, 30 minutes is nothing but advertisements. <laughs> And it's, I'm like, what? And because the thing is, he does it so well that you don't even know that he's advertising. Yeah, it's true. I mean, there's a couple of them like that. That one and, and, and another one I listened to, um, which is dope. Uh, Duncan Trussell Family Hour. I don't know if you're listening to that. But uh, he's a good friend of Joe Rogan. And he usually is uh, has on like some type of spiritual guru or some type of Buddhist or some type of weird technology thing. And he does his, I mean, his advertisements are so entertaining <laughs> that I don't mind them at all. Oh, well. Like, like, well, just check out, um, yeah, the uh, Duncan Trussell Family Hour. Um, his, 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 his latest one with uh, Jack Cornfield is real interesting. Well, but, yeah, I don't know. One day we'll get some advertisers and we'll be doing the same thing. Well, yeah, that's, that's very, very true as well. Yeah, so, uh, actually, you know, I would like to advertise Bevel just because I use them. <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't even ask you that. Yeah, so how, how is Bevel? Oh, man, I mean, I really like it. I mean, I've never shaved my head with the actual razors. It's my first time doing it, but, 
um, as long as I'm consistent with it, which is, you know, sometimes I'm not, um, it's fine. Like, my head is smooth, it's shiny. Um, the the, the uh, actual razor has, like, a good weight to it, so you don't have to, like, actually push or do anything. You just push on your head and just it just glides. No damn. And the creams that come with it are pretty good. Um you know, I, I'm not mad at it at all. Only thing is that, and I've um, I've gotten my first shipment of uh, replenishment already. Only thing about it is, you know, the price can be a bit much because it's like twenty seven dollars a month or something like that. Um, and you get a shipment every three months, but they charge you every month so that they don't you know, hit you with a bigger fee, I guess, all at once. Mm-hmm. So you know. I'm, Definitely giving this. I might might put my shipment on hold because since I haven't been consistent with it, I'm probably going to end up with a surplus. (laughs) Yeah. And um, I don't know what you have to go through to get a double sponsorship, but I do know that you know once you once you uh, signed up for it, you get a referral code um, so that when you sign other people up, you get a credit to your account. So. Twitter, 
follow us on Tumblr. Um, I got to set it up so that when it posts on the main website, it posts to everything all at once, too, so I have to do all that every time. <laughs> yeah, I remember that shit, yeah. Um, you know, uh, follow us on SoundCloud. Um, and what I'm going to do is start, like, from the accounts. Once everything is on iTunes, because I really, you know, all the podcasts, you know, you got to get your subscribers up, especially in the beginning. Um, so, like, once it's up on iTunes, I can put the link up and then start following all the other podcasts and start promoting on social media and, you know. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, this is what, or this is all, another thing I've been thinking about. Maybe there's some type of way we can kind of integrate vegan rap nerd into all this. Because we, we also talk about, you know, vegan stuff too. Or, you know, health, healthier alternatives. That is true, yeah. That's right. And we spoke to like a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe next episode we can get into uh, maybe some recipes or some stuff that we've been eating and all that type of good stuff. Well, yeah, well, yeah. I bought a bottle of liquid, liquid aminos. I haven't tried it yet, though. But, yeah, okay. it's coming soon. <laughs> and I went to uh, I went to Hibachi Grill for the first time. Uh, matter of fact, my girl she took me there this morning, and uh, that was pretty cool. And matter of fact, we went to the Indian restaurant yesterday. Man, yes. Well, you 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 like Indian food, don't you? Yeah, it's cool. I'm not mad if she didn't like it at all. But yeah, well, we went to an Indian restaurant um, in Canada, and that shit was it was lovely. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we got we got a lot of ground to cover and uh, a lot of different topics and things like that. So. Yeah, and what was the uh, the email address? I guess maybe if people want to hit us up. Oh yeah, Channel Ten Podcast at Gmail dot com. Everything Channel Ten uh, Podcast on Twitter. I think that's just Channel hey, Ten. Yeah, it's chanting, but yeah. Uh, this you know, podcast was a bit too long, so. But everything else, channel the number 10 and podcast. So, and if all else fails, I got the link to the email address on the, um, on the website. I'll probably be messing with that a whole lot tomorrow, so. Alright, and I guess, and check out veganrapnerd.com too. Veganrapnerd.com, about to get that back popping again. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I'm about to work on this, uh, club music project. I think I'm gonna put it on iTunes and all of that just to see what happens. I was just gonna do straight band camp, but I might as well go for the gusto, so. Holy hell, you always there's nothing I want to talk to you about real quick, but uh, that's gonna be off there though. Alright, so. Can you record real quick? Yeah, alright, so. We out of here. Peace. Peace.